and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. It is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017, the day after the attacks at the uh, Manchester and uh, UK. UK threat level critical army on streets, fear grips pop youth. And here's the deal, apparently. People like uh, Chris Matthews and others on the left progressives apparently they own stock and candle and flower companies what do you think there um seems like uh it seems like uh, the response to these terrorist attacks are candle light vigils and flowers and teddy bears things you might get in a hallmark store in a florist you know it, it it's amazing the response to me is amazing. We can never back down. We must call Muslim terrorism exactly what it is. It's Islamic terrorism. We, we, this is what happens when you allow, and at least this is in my particular opinion, when you allow the progressive mindset to infiltrate, contaminate, corrode the common sense. If you've got someone or an agenda or, um, a, an ideology, that wants to kill you. You don't make nice or attempt to make nice with that ideology. You, you annihilate that. Uh, you, you annihilate them. I am not going to attempt to reason with someone coming to take my life or the life of my family. Trust me when I tell you that. Not even a little bit. And yet, this is what the governments seem to want to do. This is by design, I believe, not by accident or by ignorance. This is absolutely by design. We've got a wonderful show lined up for you. In a, you know, in, in Europe, I was doing some research today about um, the the immigration in a number of different European nations. And it's not only just immigrants from Middle Eastern countries that are being brought in and attempted to reassimilate into the community, which we know there is no assimilation. But they are actually, in Sweden, uh, this is one example, they are bringing ISIS fighters into the country, giving them housing, food, resources. People who have admittedly fought on the side with ISIS. And they're reassimilating these people back into these nations. That, I mean, there is no such thing as reassimilation or even yeah. assimilation in the first place. You cannot assimilate competing ideologies and Sharia and the Constitution do not mix. They will never coexist. The coexist bumper stickers are nothing but a, um, that they're, they are worn or, uh, used by the ignorant. The, the morally uh, bankrupt or, or actually the intellectually deficient. Anyone who's got a coexist bumper sticker has no clue, no clue whatsoever what's going on. You, you really have to feel for those people. I mean, seriously, 
Now, we have a great show lined up for you. Before we get bring our guests on, I, I want to make a statement. You know, it's it's amazing. Um, on my Twitter account, it's at Hagman PI. I've been. Uh, yeah, we had met with uh, Craig Sawyer, the Sawman Sawyer. Joe and I did, and John Robertson did when we were in Chicago uh, a week or two ago, a couple of weeks ago now, I guess. And um, talking about the, uh, the sex trafficking ring, we're gonna have George Webb on Thursday. Um, and, uh, we had Liz Crokin on yesterday. And, and there's a big deal going on. Uh, <laughs> I don't need, very quickly. The, um, obviously, uh, the blowback that we are getting from this, Sean Hannity still shilling DNC staff for murder story as Fox News retracts. There are so many people walking these stories back of late. And, and that's, I, I'm, I'm not going to take the time up on, on, with my guest time, our guest time. I'm not going to take our guest time up. Folks, understand what is behind these retractions. They are not what you think they are. Okay? Just trust me when I tell you that. There is there, there to the Seth Rich homicide. Solving that will indeed um, open up the uh, and, and expose the Russian hacking story for the bogus story that it is. That is why they are fighting so hard. More on that later. Let's bring our guest on. Leo Holman is a man I respect. He's a great uh, investigative journalist. He's a news editor for World Net Daily, WND. He's been a reporter and editor at uh, numerous suburban newspapers in the Atlanta and Charlotte, North Carolina areas. He's also uh, served as managing editor of the Triangle Business Journal in Raleigh, North Carolina. His latest book is Stealth Invasion, Muslim Conquest Through Immigration and Resettlement Jihad. This is the guy to talk to about what's going on in Manchester. He is the resident expert. He is the guy with the stripes on his arms and uh, stars on his shoulder. Leo Holman, welcome to the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Welcome back, sir. Thank you so much, Doug, for having me on today. Hey brother, it's uh, it's a sad day. It's a good day for candle makers and card makers and teddy bear yeah. makers and flower uh, florists. But uh, uh, when is enough enough? You know, that's what I've been asking people today. You know, what was one year ago, Doug? In June, almost a year. It was June last year when we had the uh, attack on the gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. You know, you could say that they came for our homosexuals last year. Now they're coming for our little girls. Little girls as young as eight years old at a rock concert in Manchester, England, slaughtered in the most horrific sense of the word. Uh, You know, I, I can't even describe what those children saw, those who weren't gravely wounded themselves they have to live with the images of friends and family members and just fellow concert goers who they may not have known with their body parts blown away from their bodies some of them had skin skin and brains and Mm -hmm. and organs stuck to their clothing it was that disgusting and that graphic right there in front of them these are children ages you know, seven on up to 20 years old predominantly. Uh, and, wow. and, and about half of the victims were uh, under 15. 22 dead so far. There may be more. 
uh, 59 wounded. Uh, and this is a, make no mistake, this is a new level. This is take, ratchet it up a level. Okay, even the Boston Marathon bombing was not quite to this level. Yes, that was horrific. It killed three and injured 300 and some. But those uh, <clears throat> asylum-seeking Muslims from Dagestan who did that were not the level of jihadists that we saw at work in Manchester last night. Why? Because they did not have suicide. It was not a suicide mission. They planted the uh, pressure cookers and then sort of tried to walk away and run away from the event. <clears throat> in Manchester, they came. The, the, the gentleman came in with a suicide belt on. He was very sophisticated in knowing where to lay or where to position himself when he detonated it uh, to provide maximum impact. And, and shrapnel blew out of that vest that bomb and, and, and as I said tore through the, the, the limbs and organs of these young girls now if this doesn't wake up the West Britain, the UK Europe and the United States about what they are doing to their own citizens Doug and Joe I do not know what will and, and if you had to honestly ask me today if I think it will wake, wake them up I would have to say no I think it will be business as usual. Business as usual. Importing these uh, uh, Sharia-compliant refugees and migrants, whatever you want to call them, uh, into society and then making excuses and other other reasons for the violence. Uh, We need more security. Uh, We need more gun control. We need more security at public events and in public spaces, more cameras on every corner, more surveillance, more tracking. Uh, Isn't that convenient for the globalists? Absolutely it is. And we know that, you know, as as Rahm Emanuel has said, and as many other politicians uh, have alluded to, that, you know, you never let a good crisis go to waste. And that is, Mm -hmm. you know, part of their M.O., and they will always right instead of uh, addressing the core issue which is muslim immigration and lack of assimilation the two go together uh rather than do that they will do anything but that and they will focus on these other things that just lead to more inconveniences more loss of freedom and more loss of liberties for those of us who are uh rock solid law-abiding citizens and and no real and and the the caveat and the real you know uh irony is that the more so-called security measures and surveillance measures they put into place in their countering violent extremism programs both in the UK and the US it seems the less effective they are in stopping these attacks uh, almost every one of the recent attacks, including this one in Manchester, we find out after the fact that the perpetrator was on the government's radar, they were fully aware of who he was and that he had radical tendencies, but they failed to make any arrests or to stop him from carrying out the terrorist attack. Uh, so it's a double whammy for us. We get our children and, and our women and children killed and raped, 
uh, and yet we and we also lose our freedom. But the jihadists get to roam free and and be monitored by the government that doesn't do anything to stop them. Yeah, and we, and we see this. I'm uh, sorry, guys. I am really frustrated tonight. I mean, this attack is, like I said, a new level of uh, a new level of sad when it comes down to uh, children being killed. Well, uh, Leo, let me ask you this. Um, I don't know if, if you've seen anything uh, or, or have found anything. The, there was a, a man arrested. I believe it was the brother yes. of the the suicide bomber from Manchester. And then we see the the updates uh, from the news that the threat level was raised to the highest level at critical. The army has been deployed on the streets. Uh, do we know if there was information uh, obtained from the man who was arrested, or do you believe that this uh, increase of the terror level and the army being deployed is just part of uh, the standard protocol for when... Because I know they had a, a uh, the UK implemented a, I have to find the name of the operation again, but it's an operation for when they have a terrorist attack to deploy the army. Do you believe that they did this as a reaction, or do you think that there is intel that they're acting on? Hard to know, Joe, on that. Um, but what we do know is that there were plenty of clues that this uh, 23-year-old uh, man who carried out the attack uh was radical um, he a uh, neighbor described him as abrasive tall skinny young man who was little known in the neighborhood and often seen in traditional islamic clothing uh and his like you said they have interviewed his brother apparently uh he's got some uh background issues um, this family was on the radar. They knew of him, and almost immediately they came out and said, we know who he is, uh, which I found interesting. And, uh, you know, it, it just same thing happened at the San Bernardino uh, incident, if you remember. Uh, there were neighbors who saw strange things going on, but they failed to report it because they were afraid that they might be outed as a bigot or a racist if they reported some odd activity by a Muslim neighbor. It sounds like similar things were going on in this Manchester neighborhood where this young man lived. Uh, nothing was reported, uh, even though they saw him, you know, doing things that were not usual or typical or normal for that neighborhood. They just let it go out of fear of, you know, uh, retribution, yeah. which in, in the U.K., I think it's even stronger than it is here, if you can imagine that, uh, as far as retribution against people who, you know, this is a country that will not let Robert Spencer or Pamela, Pamela Geller into the into the country. Or, or Michael, Michael Savage. Savage. Yes. Right. They're too, quote-unquote, radical. But, but they can let these radical preachers and imams preach whatever they want uh, in the open without fear of being arrested. And so we it's it's everything is twisted around in the uh in the new globalist era where we have globalist politicians running things and their friends in the media uh reporting on those of us who as you said Doug you look at things and and describe them and report on them using common sense. Uh you know, they call us Islamophobia, Islamophobic and a phobia is an irrational fear. 
with all that's going on with Islam around the world, does it seem irrational to fear it? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> it, it, it would be crazy no. not to, right? And, and yeah, folks, it would be. It would exactly. It would be yeah. irrational to not fear it, given what we've seen just in the last couple of years, two, three years, let alone if you were to go back to 9-11 uh, and, and take a broader look at the scope of history. You could even go further back than that, obviously. But, but Leo, you know, I, I, I apologize for my in, interruption here, but people need to understand or look at the broader picture. Uh, and you do, right. and I just I have to applaud you uh, for your book, Stealth Invasion, all right? Uh, and folks, Stealth Invasion, WND Books, uh, Amazon.com, Stealth Invasion by Leo Homan, fantastic book, because he, the, the big picture is spelled out. You've done this. You've done the work for people. Um, people can pick up your book and, and read it and understand the big picture. Uh, so, so this is not, I mean, this did not just happen after 9-11. This didn't happen Within the last two decades, this has been uh, being the pump's been prime for a long time. I uh, go oh, ahead. It really has. Yes, it really has. I mean, I've got historical evidence, you know, quote from letters and whatnot from early presidents of the United States, for heaven's sakes, in my book. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, you know, who dealt with the Barbary states, which were the Ottoman Empire outlying uh, states in North Africa. You know, Tunisia, Algeria, Libya, these 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 uh, Barbary states, as they called them, were attacking uh, Western ships, merchant ships, going in through uh, the straits there and in and out of the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And uh, you know, Jefferson was before he was president was uh, Secretary of State and had been in France and had researched and he'd had contact with this. And so, you know. He ended up, he studied the Quran, and he came to the conclusion, he talked to them face-to-face when he was Secretary of State, and he, he got a good beat on it, and he came to the conclusion that you cannot negotiate with these people. Because even if they're offering you a deal, and this is what we need to pray about with Donald Trump, the, our deal-making president, you cannot sit down across the table from... King Salman in Saudi Arabia and make a deal because what he's agreeing to in his mind and in his strategy is not what you think he's agreeing to in fact words mean different things you know King Salman talked about the peace of Islam and wanting to be peaceful as he before he introduced President Trump to speak Sunday but what is peace to, to, to the Islamic leaders? It's a different peace than what we think of as Westerners. Peace in the Islamic world is a people subdued by Islam. And he talked about innocent life, you know, and, and how horrific and horrible it is for extremists to kill innocent people. But in Islam, none of us are innocent. You know, so let's get them to define their terms and stop practicing taqiyya, you know, before we can even sit down and talk with them in a deal and make a deal. Um, so we really do need to be in prayer about this because I don't think that anyone, and I, I emphasize anyone, 
in the Trump administration. They, they have a better understanding, obviously, than the Obama administration does. But I still don't think there's anyone in there that really understands Islam. Absolutely uh, right. And, and the point, you can't say that enough, the, the point about the, how the language and the, the definition of, of terms can be different. Uh, right. You know, and that's very true when they say, you know, uh, when they're talking about peace, Peace can mean, you know, as you said, subduing the the population, compliance with Islam. Not uh, can it does. That's the only only terms under which Islam will coexist with anyone else is through the complete subjugation of Christians and and everyone right. else. And, and the, yeah. exactly, and the whole idea of the innocent. You know, when when care counts on American Islamic relations here in the states, talks about yes, we condemn terrorism. The killing of innocent life. They mean it. But guess what? You're not innocent, and what they're doing is not terrorism. So, yeah, they yep. condemn it. Because that's not what they're doing in their eyes. So, you know, the, the double meanings and the deception is so strong. Uh, and, and I, and, and we, our generals, God, my, my heaven, the generals in this country, the, the military generals seem to be the most clueless about Islam. I don't know what they're teaching in the military colleges and academies today, but it, it is certainly not, you know, they should be boring into the Quran in, in, in places like West Point and Naval Academy and all these places. They should be Studying, they should be going to bed with the Quran at night to find out exactly what is in this book. But do you think that's happening in these academies? I see no evidence of it. Uh, same with our law enforcement. You know, they have, in fact, had all of references uh, deemed offensive to Islam stripped mm-hmm. out of the FBI training manuals. That happened in 2011, I believe. 2011, 2012, in that era. And that's a big, you know, especially in, in Europe where they have implemented you know, hate speech laws. Why are people so afraid of offending Muslims if they are as peaceful as these people believe? One. And then two, how can you, I mean, it's just crazy to me that the, the laws they've implemented in Europe, you know, the, the hate speech laws, you can get in trouble for calling an Islamic terror attack an Islamic terror attack. You can be arrested under the hate speech laws in, in, in the Europe. It's absolutely amazing to me that that not only the the uh, globalists but the leaders of these nations and you know the top uh, people in, in governments are allowing this to happen. And not only that, uh, a disturbing trend we've seen here in America is many people in in Hollywood and in the government have been converting to Islam. You know, John mm. Brennan. Uh, you know, that's a just... whole other topic, exactly, that you just uh, hit on, uh, Joe, that's very important. Okay, so we're going to bring in these migrants who, ref- who are going to live in enclaves and refuse to assimilate, uh, which the Quran tells them, by the way, to, to, to not befriend non-Muslims, to not have close friendships. Uh, with non-Muslims. So you may have a Muslim friend who you think is, you know, close, but they're going to keep you at a certain distance that they wouldn't uh, keep another Muslim. Uh, so they can appear very friendly and very nice to your face, uh, 
And I'm not saying that they're not, because some Muslims are not that devout, and they're just people like us wanting to, you know, feed their families and live day to day. But if they're devout, you know, and by that you can usually tell by dress codes, drinking, eating codes, going to mosques, you can usually tell if you're uh, a friend. Uh, they're going to keep you at arm's length. Uh, and, and, and it's not uh, something that uh, most Americans are aware of. That is what the, the number one thing that I hear whenever I talk to people is, well, man, well, my Muslim friend, uh, he says he doesn't believe in that, or he says that he wouldn't do that or support that. Uh, but, uh, you know... Again, Takiyah could be an issue. The Quran tells uh, the Muslim believer, the devout believer, to withhold certain truths uh, to advance if it if it means the advancement of Islam, or it could just be that your friend's not that devout. But either way, it seems like the problem is the non-assimilated community uh, living in enclaves protecting each other. When a terrorist attack uh, does occur, they will often harbor the perpetrators. Uh, This Libyan guy in uh, Manchester who conducted the attack last night, you know, like we talked about, he, 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 he wore the Islamic robes, he kept to himself, he made a public show of his prayers. He even flew the Libyan flag I've found over his house. Uh, yeah, I, I got the Pakistani flag flying over mine. Yeah, just right. Just in case Does my neighbors, you know, that he yeah. wanted to be a, a citizen of of the UK. You know, it's just the same thing that we find here if you drive through Dearborn, Michigan. You know, you won't see any American flags, and if you do, that's going to be like a lone holdout who hasn't moved out yet. Uh, you know, an older resident. Uh, you never see an American flag. You'll see signs in Arabic, you'll see uh, foreign flags, uh, but you won't see an American flag. You know, that, that is, should be telling us something, that we're importing people who don't want to be Americans. So if they don't want to be Americans, we should be asking the question, why, are they, why do they want to come here? Well, I, I, you've answered that in your book, Stealth Invasion, uh, or it, it at least uh, suggested it. Um, quite simply, I, I, I submit to you and the audience the reason these uh, Muslim terrorists want to come here. There's, in my view, there's two types of Muslims, Muslim terrorists or Muslim apostates. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, my, that, that, that's my personal view mm-hmm. of things. But you laid out a, a very good um, the, the analysis in your book, Stealth Invasion, folks. It, definitely grab hold of Leo Holman's book, man. It, it's 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 filled with resources. Um, definitely, you really folks really need to get this book and, and really it's very nicely compiled. But having said that, it's to take over the United States. It's to take our daughters. It's to wipe it, and people can't wrap their head around the fact that they want to take us out generationally. In other words, um, two, three generations down the road, it's all going to be Muslim. It's, it's, it, these people don't think in terms of days and weeks, they think in terms of generations. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, exactly, uh, Doug. And that was the point that I was, you just made really for me that I was trying to make is that 
it's not always that your daughter is going to be killed at a shopping mall or a rock concert or you could be killed in a terrorist attack. Uh, it might not, it's not just the terrorist attacks that we need to fear. It's the transformation of our societies um, to where your freedom of speech as a Christian, uh, your freedom of religion as a Christian will be made subservient to Islam, and we're already seeing that. And you talk about Sharia law, and most people think, okay, he's a little out there. I don't see Sharia law being uh, advanced in my state legislature or my city council. That's not how it happens. It's not legislated. It's implemented voluntarily and imposed by the media and punished by punishing people by destroying their reputation in the media who speak out against Islam. You don't see that for any other religion. I can say anything I want negatively about Christianity, and I am not going to pay uh, by having seeing a negative story appear to me on me in my local newspaper. I'm not going to risk losing my job uh, if my employer were to find out that I put something on my Facebook page that was critical of Christianity or possibly even Judaism, but especially Christianity, is fair, open game. But the only religion that is protected in this this way uh, by the media and by corporations and the establishment in general is Islam. So right there, that is the main tenet of Sharia law, is the blasphemy law. You cannot criticize Islam. Muhammad, the Prophet, or Allah. It's all off-limits. It doesn't matter if it's true or false. If it is found offensive by Muslims, practicing Muslims, uh, your speech is considered Islamophobic and is therefore not to be tolerated. And now we have the left teaming up with Islam to enforce this blasphemy law in America. Whereas in Pakistan, you can be arrested and uh, held for years and ultimately uh, possibly killed for blasphemy. In the U.S., you won't go to jail, but you could very well, you won't lose your head, as I would say, but you can lose your reputation. You can lose your job. You can lose your livelihood simply by criticizing Islam. And that's not the America I grew up in. Uh, But it's also, like you said uh, earlier, uh, Doug, we can lose these people in Manchester lost their daughters physically there's also a chance you can lose your daughter by sending her to college and she marries the Muslim uh, and ends up converting this is uh, either way I'm going to be pissed off yeah this is in my book as well how Islam puts an emphasis on that is one of the reasons they've infiltrated our universities with so many Saudi men and Pakistani men and 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 others uh, you know wooing our girls our young college girls and that is now like the second leading demographic for converts in the US is young white college girls uh, after black prison inmates uh, it's really astonishing, uh, and, and these men are uh, men are very strong, good-looking, suave, uh, you know, romancing the girls. But after the marriage, you know, everything changes, and she's treated much differently. 
So, Leo, going forward from here, we have Ramadan coming up May 26th mm-hmm. through June 24th. I'll be celebrating Ramadan. Now, <laughs> just not quite, not quite the way people might think. I'm sorry. If I remember correctly, during <laughs> Ramadan, is it, don't we see spikes in terrorism during during the, this Muslim holiday? Uh, you're absolutely right, especially as in the closing days of Ramadan. It seems like uh, I know we have the last couple of years, and I have been thinking and uh, holding my breath in the same way you are, Joe, uh, this year because it seems like. The pressure of the international global Muslim movement just seems to be every year getting a little bit tighter around our necks. And so another time that you see more of the frequency of attacks tick up is during Christian holidays, Easter, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they particularly love to attack on Easter. Uh, we just saw a bevy of attacks this year, you know, and Egypt, especially with the Coptic churches being attacked, Palm Sunday, and uh, you know, last year it was the uh, San Bernardino on a Christmas party being attacked. Uh, you know, these things. It's because Islam has a hatred for the cross. The cross symbol of Christianity symbolizes the power of Christianity. Why? Because it it is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which they believe, they'll tell you they believe in Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus. He's not the Son of God, and he most certainly didn't die on a cross. In fact, they believe that he faked his death on the cross, and one of his disciples went up there in his place. He was taken up by Allah, Jesus, Isa, as they call him, uh, to return in the last days. And when he returns, uh, he is going to come as a Muslim conqueror. He's going to break the crosses. And he's going to tell the world's Christians that they've had it wrong all these years, all these centuries, that he didn't. he's not the son of Allah, and he didn't die on a cross, that Muhammad was the final prophet, the final and most perfect prophet, and that they should they are, must now all convert to Islam. This is the Jesus that Muslims believe in and profess, and yet you have Christian pastors, Joe, out there uh, meeting in interfaith dialogue and making pretty with... Yep imams in their community. Uh, in fact, I just did a story about a week ago that was very, that hit really struck some nerves. Uh, a church, a former Pentecostal church in Smithfield, North Carolina was converted to a mosque and a group of about half a dozen local pastors led by an Episcopalian priest participated in the mosque conversion ceremony and they uh, the Muslim uh, leaders handed them the, gave them the cross they decrossed the church and converted to a mosque gave the crosses to the Christian pastors and the, they all shared in a service praying to Allah if you can believe this and I spoke with the Episcopal priest myself and he literally believes 
bless his heart, that we worship the same God, we Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, WND story, uh, yeah, for yeah. Leo Holman, WND story, um, a very good one. A Christian pastor in Bible Belt admits personally worshiping Allah. Folks, uh, yeah. it was, yeah, published last week, I believe it was. You gotta read that too. Great job on that, Leo. And then you have the, the, you know, the Pope, there's been a few, uh, times in, in Pope Francis's reign at the Vatican that where he, he says, you know, we need peaceful encounters of, of religions and that all, um, all the religions lead to the same path of God. And, uh, obviously right. this is the that's head of the Catholic that's Church. Sincere problem right there, Joe. I think that is the crux of the problem, really, if you want to know the truth from a spiritual point of view, is the church in America, and I guess in the West in general, is so weak right now that they can't even discern who their own God is and how he's different from the Islamic God. You know, that is really, if you think about it, the heart of the problem. We're looking to a politician in Donald Trump to fix our problem. We many of us know we have an Islam problem and an immigration problem, but we're looking to the government to fix it. And while Donald Trump, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on one man, and, and we're seeing what kind of pressure he's coming under just because he's wanting to do a few things to reform the government. The deep state, the the shadow government, whatever you want to call it, is fucking kicking and going into hysterics, uh, just jumping, hitting their heads on the ceiling and almost like a demonic reaction to an exorcism. Just because Donald Trump wanted to put a temporary travel ban on Muslim, a few Muslim countries, 90 days, so we, he could install a better vetting system, which I thought was a very moderate approach. It wasn't even what he originally said he wanted to do, which was to uh, end all Muslim immigration until we can figure out what is going on, as he said. He moderated it, but even that sent them into convulsions. And so, in my opinion, we cannot depend on the government. I think it may be too late. After eight years of Barack Obama, he institutionalized all of these policies, this open border policies, these uh, uh, mass visa programs, these expanding them. I mean, they were all in existence pretty much before he came in, but he, he, he expanded a lot of it. He, uh, same with refugee resettlement. He, he was increasing numbers. He was, and so now they're comparing Trump's numbers to these inflated Obama numbers. See, and it looks low, but really the number of refugees that Trump is allowing in is right around the, the annual average since, uh, 2002, since 9-11. Uh, so he really hasn't done that much, but if you listen to the mainstream media and watch these, uh, hysterical reactions. You would think that he was a radical uh, right-wing nationalist, which uh, we even kind of hoped he might be, but he's really been fairly moderate. 
if you look at what he's actually done in this first 120 days or whatever it's been. Um, but they can't handle it. So to me, we cannot depend on the government to fix the problems. The only way to address Islam is to have more Christianity. I, I think, I really think that if you look at Europe as the model, they became a post-Christian society after World War II. They gave up on their faith. They said, God has abandoned us. Uh, where was he when, you know, Hitler came in and all these people were killed and we had World War and we had, you know, just uh, one atrocity after the other. God must not exist. That is, That was the, 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 the absolute opposite reaction that they should have had. They should have been on their knees repenting, saying, you know, we, what can we do to clean up our house, so to speak, so this doesn't happen again? Amen and to that. When you do that, when a nation does that, but it all starts with us individually, right? It does. But when a nation does that, that is like putting up a spirit. We talk about building a physical wall at the border. That would put up a spiritual wall that I'm going to tell you straight up, guys. Islam would run for the fences. They, would, they couldn't get out of this country quick enough because they would know that they are wasting their time. These people aren't going to convert. These people aren't going to accommodate us when we squeak and and scream and, and and yell about how we're persecuted because we can't have a special lunch room or we can't have a special prayer room in a public university and you know oh we'd have to actually act like real Americans you know that's the answer, but instead, they That's see the us bending over backwards. How can we accommodate you? We have a weak faith. We don't. We we think we have the same God. Uh, you know, they they're salivating. They're they must laugh when they come back from these meetings with these pastors. You know, and say, yep. "Oh my God, these people are even weaker and more gullible than we thought." Yep, absolutely. It I mean, starts with the pastors. You know, if we're looking instead for a political savior. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Trump, he wants to be that, but I don't think it's going to uh, happen. I, I, from what I've seen, at least, what, what do you guys feel from these first 120 days? Now, you said it right the first time. We're not going to ever have a political savior. And if there one does appear one uh, to be on the, on the scene, it's probably... Uh, you know, something that it appears, it's probably um, a diversion or a deception, you know, probably mm -hmm. the, the Antichrist almost. Yeah, yeah um, because we know that, I mean, just from, and you said it, just by the reaction of these people on, on the insane left about the Muslim ban, their reaction mm -hmm. to to the implementation of that ban, those bans, um as you said, has to have these people, these terrorists, laughing at us because they openly state their goals of wanting to, um, you know, through our immigration and, and uh, our tolerance towards Muslims, they're going to use that against us to continue to, uh, you know, force their will of, of um, you know, compliance to Islam and, and until they, they conquer America. I mean, they, they say as much. So when you have people 
turning around and saying, oh, that's not what they want to do. They're good people. You know, they're, uh, you know, this is what America is. Uh, we need all these wonderful uh, Muslims to come here. And if you don't like it, regardless of the terror attacks, you're a racist. They have to laugh. I mean, you're basically, that, that's like me saying, you know, I'm going to attack the White House. And then me going to the Washington, D.C., standing in front of the White House and them opening the gate for me. It's ridiculous. Exactly. You, you said it very well, uh, Joe. We're not only we're not only tolerating this anti-American type of immigrant, which is a different type of immigrant. I'm not against immigrants, people. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not anti-immigrant. I'm against anti-American immigrants, ones that refuse to assimilate. And it's not mm-hmm. only that we're uh, tolerating it, like you said, Joe, we're inviting it in. And if you're not welcoming, it's, if, it, it's, you can't just not criticize anymore. You have to welcome and cheer them. We mm-hmm. have city after city declaring themselves not only sanctuary cities now, but welcoming cities. Uh, Troy, Michigan, now, uh, just announced yesterday or today that they're now a welcoming city. City councils vote on this stuff after being pressured by these left-wing groups. They'll pass a resolution and say, we're now a welcoming city. Troy, Michigan is the number one destination in the state of Michigan for Syrian refugees. I just did a story about a uh, man named Abdel Nasser Mohammed. Oh, goodness, this is a story that which should send shivers down everyone's spine. Again, this is right here in the U.S. You don't have to go to Europe to find these stories. Mr. Abdel Nasser was working as a gas station attendant in Troy, Michigan. A woman uh, on May the 4th uh, pulled up to get gas, and the card reader was giving her some trouble, so she motioned for the attendant to come over and help her with the machine. Mr. Abdel Nasser uh, appears as the clerk on duty to help her, and he grabs her between the legs and tells her that he will help her with the machine. He will assist her if she will perform a certain sexual favor on him. Wonderful. Yes, and she uh, manages to escape his clutches and calls 911. The police come and arrest him. Uh, he's described in the Michigan media as what? A, <laughs> a hero? A Detroit man. Uh, a male gas station empl- attendant. Uh, nobody even Coleman. asks his, uh, nobody asks his immigration status or his country of origin. I called the Troy Police Department and, uh, talked with uh, a woman there, Sergeant, uh, her name escapes me, but you can read it in the story, and she promised me that she would look, she said that we don't ask their their status, you know, we don't ask their immigration status when we arrest someone, but we do often ask their country of origin, she said. Oh, I said, okay, can you please uh, tell me what his country of origin is? She said, well, it's not in the computer, I'll have to pull the file. I said, well, would, would, would you do that for me? She said, okay, oh, sure, you know, I'll call you, I'll get it, and I'll call you back. I give her my number. She never calls back. About two hours pass, and I call her again. I leave a message. Another two hours pass. I call her a third time, leave another message. 
I hold the story for a day to see if maybe she was just too busy and would call me back the next day. The next day, again, nothing. So I publish the story uh, with all of this information in there. And she, even after the story's published, I get no feedback from the Troy Police Department. Uh, and so you have the media and the police doing their best to cover for these people. I, I don't know if Mr. Abdel Nasser is a Syrian. He certainly looks Syrian. His picture is in the story. Uh, he is a Caucasian uh, man with uh, jet black hair, uh, appears to be Syrian, and the name is either Syrian, I'm told, or Palestinian, uh, could be Egyptian, but Egyptians don't look like him. So he's either a Palestinian or a Syrian, possibly a Jordanian. Uh, but uh, so, uh, you know, whether he's a Syrian refugee, I never could find out. But I do know that I at least gave it my journalistic, honest effort, which the Detroit media uh, didn't even try to do. Um, and But the, the, the gist of the story is that with Detroit recently, Michigan recently had the nation's first female genital mutilation case in which a doc, two doctors have been arrested mm -hmm. uh, for performing this barbaric third world practice. Two Muslim doctors uh, claim it's were arrested. Right. Yeah. Also, you know, I saw that. And, uh, you know, that is being dismissed as, oh, they're just doing that to themselves. Yeah, it's horrible, and we pity those poor little girls. Uh, but that's that you know that doesn't affect me most americans you know would can say if if they want to be that cynical which i think is is inexcusable but you hear that type of talk we see the same thing in europe um the last two terrorist attacks they reported they being the the uh, news agencies over there were saying and and even last night i saw a few reports uh, at first they were saying it's an asian man and right. this is the second oh, oh, time yeah. in a row I've oh, seen absolutely. This. They have Pakistani uh, sex grooming gangs that have operated for years in the U.K., uh, luring little white girls in England into these sex gangs where they're brutally passed along from one man to the other and used, used up like trash. Uh, and they uh, finally got to uh, the bottom of it, and a few of them were prosecuted, <laughs> not many. Uh, it happened to thousands of girls and they and the the perpetrators if you look in the UK media uh, were every time referred to as Asians not Muslims not even Pakistanis Asians and so because everyone knows Pakistanis are Muslims so they couldn't even say that they call them Asians and but anyway my point going back to Michigan is female genital mutilation tends to be Guarded or dismissed as, oh, that is that doesn't affect me. But when a woman can't pull up to a gas station and pump gas without something like that possibly happening to her, that should strike people and hit home. What is going on? What is going on in my community? And I hope yeah. it doesn't come down to a, a Manchester, England type thing here. But I have to say, guys. I don't see any evidence or any signs yet that people want to wake up and face reality and stand up and speak out and risk being called a name, an Islamophobe. And that's the argument, is political correctness killing people. Political correctness. It's killing it us, is. guys. 
and I got to go because I've got another interview coming up. But uh, Leo, thank you, you so much, brother. Absolutely, I, I enjoyed. Uh, I always enjoy being on you guys' show. I mean, it's just always, always a pleasure. It's a pleasure amen. to have you. Amen. And your book is is a fantastic book, uh, folks. WND Books. Uh, Leo Holman at uh, WND. I posted a link in uh, uh, on our program description. Also available on Amazon, and of course you can follow Leo on Twitter as well. Social networking. Leo, thanks for your time, brother. I know you got to run for another uh, Absolutely. interview. Absolutely, Doug, Joe, both you guys keep up the great work. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bless you. Mm-hmm. All right. Folks, that was, uh, that was Leo Holman, uh, you know, wow. Be- before going forward, I just want to mention Greenovative, greenovative.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're, if you're putting off making preparations because, for example, Donald Trump's in the White House, things are going to be fine. I think, I think the writing is clear. It's not going to be fine. You need, you need to prepare and, Lack of preparation is irresponsible. Greenovative.com. Go there for the uh, GMAG power cells. This is a battery charger that uses salt and water to charge rechargeable batteries. Plus, Alan Riggs, the owner of Greenovative, has come up with this fantastic new, um, well, more power, Scotty. The, uh, the, the power battery uh, power charger charges even more double A, triple A batteries. There's more power to power up your cell phone. When you're in a position where there's no electricity, whether it's because you're out in the middle of nowhere or, hey, who knows, an EMP, the sun, bomb, who knows what the reason. You'll be glad you have the GMAG power cell. Check it out. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. And make sure you tell them you heard it on the Hagman Report. But you know, Joe Lee was correct in this whole situation. And, um, you know, Muslim Islam is not a race, by the way. It is an ideology. It is a political movement wrapped up or disguised as a religion. It is a cult. And by definition, and people need to understand this. And the other thing he said, uh, as well, uh, and we saw this in Buffalo. When, when Joe and I were in Buffalo, you go to the courthouse, do a search in the city of Buffalo, Erie County, New York, and you look at the mosques taking over the churches. And the, the, uh, Catholic churches are okay with this. The priests are okay, or, or the Episcopal churches, or, you know, whatever Protestant church there might be. You're, you're seeing the Muslims take over, purchase the church, convert it into a mosque, they buy the surrounding property, they use, layers of financing Islamic uh, Society of North America, ISNA this is their modus operandi the money oftentimes comes from Saudi Arabia Ninety, uh, very high percentage 98% of the mosques in the United States have at some level Saudi funding there's no way in hell any member of our government should be bowing to anyone over in Saudi Arabia. It's my personal opinion anyway. Um, the ISIS, ISIS, the group ISIS, it's already infiltrated, the ideology of ISIS infiltrated in the United States. Um, through the mosques, 
And, and I'll tell you something else. Tom Bowerly from WBEN AM 930, a good friend of mine, um, when we were investigating the, uh, the, the mosque situation in Buffalo, New York, you know, we were disinvited from a tour because they would not allow us to look at certain things, including but not limited to books on their shelves. The things that, that, you know, that would tell the tale other than what the mainstream corporate captured corporate bizarre mass media won't tell you. That's the, that's the problem. Folks, we're coming up, uh, up to the break right now. When we come back, we have the next two segments, the next hour open. So we're going to be diving into some news and commentary. And we're, we, in the second segment of this next hour, we're going to open the phone lines up for you guys to call in. We'll give that number out when we come back from the break. And then in the second half hour of the next hour, 830 to 9, we will take listener phone calls. I want to get your reaction to uh, the terrorist attacks and the reaction of the terrorist attacks in the U.K. and throughout Europe. We'll be right back on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, you need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport because it's so efficient it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire so don't rely on gas or fuel stoves prepare your family prepare for yourself order a Minuteman rocket stove today it's going to make bad times much better folks MinutemanStove.com MinutemanStove.com need I say more you should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash... 
trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So thankful that you're joining us. Thank you so much for your belief and trust in us. You know, it's um, it's a changed landscape out there, and we are we must adapt and change with that landscape. The Hagman Report, uh, as as we are fond of saying of late, has a new mandate. Indeed, we do. You know, it's one thing to sit behind the microphone and to say, um. We need to make changes, or we need to change, or we need to, uh, we do need to change. Of course we do. We do need to educate people. We do need to bring them up to speed, but we also need to act as well. And if you look at, uh, the, in my personal Twitter feed, which, um, at Hagman PI, you'll see some photographs in there. Uh, for example, we met with Craig Sawyer in Chicago, the sawmen, discussed We'll discuss some things. I'm not going to get into what we discussed, but there are things going on behind the scenes that we are engaged in. Um, on HomelandSecurityUS.com, as I prepare during the course of this week, you're going to see some photographs that uh, will show you what we are doing with respect to uh, certain things like in um, with, with the Syrian uh, situation. And I want to thank Bill McIntosh as well for all of uh, Bill McIntosh, Acosta Media, for all things he's doing. But we're also doing things uh, as an outgrowth of that uh, new mandate and as an outgrowth of the Sawman, Sawyer, looking at the, for example, the Seth Rich homicide. And this is something that really we have to take a real close look at when it comes to the media backing or supposedly retracting certain stories. Oh, that's the big meme right now that's being pushed. Fox News backs off the Seth Rich homicide. You're you're all being played. We're all being played. It's not what it appears to be, and and it it, it just I, I I chuckle when I when I read some of these uh, Twitter comments and, and social networking comments. I chuckle at at the, the lack of. Well, they're naive. How naive they are, or that perhaps they're operationally uh, part of what's taking place. Either way, what what we have here is within our government, we have enemies, enemies to our constitutional republic. You've got the communists embedded within our government post World War II. Joe McCarthy was absolutely one hundred percent correct. That has festered into the modern version 
where now it's cool to be communist. But parallel to that, you've got the Muslims under Obama, and, and even under Clinton. You go back a ways. Um, arguably, you can go back to even Carter. But in particular, over the last eight years, nine years, ten years, what you what we've seen is this growth of uh, foreign elements within our government. This is why I'm very, very hot on uh, the investigation by George Webb on the Awan brothers. It, it, other media outlets are slow to report this. However, I believe Michael Savage talked about it today. The um, the the foreign um, presence within the IT community in particular, within the Progressive Caucus, in our own Congress. This overlaps. There's a common command and control uh, mechanism, communist and Islamic together. And look, I don't care if people do not believe this. It would be difficult not to believe this. You, this is what this is so incredibly important when you have oh and by the way the the um as as we are watching the investigations of things like the 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 Southridge homicide investigation which is laughable the investigation of the Awan brothers by the DC police there's it's laughable because of the level of compromise within the police department and at levels within the FBI. Then you've got intermingled with this the, the ideology, the satanic, demonic ideology that's, that, that is gripping or, or is flourishing under these, these, uh, individuals that have no spiritual or have the wrong spiritual compass. This all runs together, and it's interesting how this has played out over the last three decades in particular, and especially over the last decade. And Barack Hussein Obama, Brennan, John Brennan, Clapper, uh, Comey, all of these individuals have contributed to and facilitated this, uh, in the larger picture, this, uh, this foreign, well, domestic enemies, I suppose, once they're inside the gates. And I have to wonder, I'm looking at people like W. Wasserman Schultz and, and others, I have to wonder, is this, do, do they do they know, for example, about the Awan brothers? I'm sure they do. Do they know? Uh, or or are, they, are they that far removed? I contend, based on the investigation that I've done, research I've done, not only do they know they're part and parcel to the takeover of our government, because at the end of the day, what they want to do is make the Constitutional Republic of the United States ungovernable. We see that through the groups organizing for action in their various arms, their foot soldiers, the various uh, attorneys that have gotten together, uh, former uh, uh, Obama regime attorneys who have, who have 
gotten together, created various entities that do nothing but file suit against the Trump administration under ethics charges. If you watched at all any of the hearings today where uh, Brennan testified, you can see the, the, the absolute pushback by Brennan. Uh, it, it's... I just really hope people understand how serious this is. We are losing our country. Our country is being lost to this progressive communist Islamic agenda. And if people don't understand how critical this is, in the the churches, the the pastors, the ministers, at least in my view, I am I'm not a, we're not a church. I'm not a pastor. We're not ministers. What they are doing, what I see taking place, is they are not acting uh, uh, proactively, and it, 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 they're by not acting proactively because the last, I believe, the last line of defense, which really should be the first line of defense, is would be the Christians. We need to come together, and we need we need to be the formidable force to to put down this uprising within our own government, this takeover. Uh, real quick, uh, oh, Joe, you were gonna hop in there, I think. No, I was just I had to get something fixed okay. on this on right. this new laptop. Uh, there was some software. She's trying to open up the no, the okay. call screen, so. All right, so, so but yeah, you're right. You I mean, know, all of, yeah, all, all of this shows it's a together. It's multi-pronged attack, uh, and, and from the churches to the media to the government to the the, the foot soldiers who are on the ground. And, and exactly, exactly. And, and our new mandate. I just want to tell you this: the reason uh, I, I, I'm pressing forward on this is because we need to go out. We need to talk with. We have been talking with key individuals like the Sawman Sawyer, like. Um, uh, Sargas Sangari with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, the Christian Assyrian army, uh, that we met with on Friday. We are going out and talking with these people. We're attempting to, to not, of course, we have three hours a night, but, but we also have 21 hours off the airtime. And we are going out and we are being proactive. And we are helping, meeting with people and, and attempting to help them. So we ask you, ladies and gentlemen, and I want to thank everyone for your, your financial support. We're asking you for our, for financial support right now. I'm asking you. And I want to say thank you to those who have given us your financial support. But we, we have to now be active. I mean, we should have, we have to double down on, on being active. And the only way we can do that is through the funding, whether it be through our sponsors, and we, we thank them, and uh, the, uh, the the individuals who support us privately through uh, donations, we thank you. This allows us to go out there and conduct the investigations, to make the contacts, to push forward, and not just be mouthpieces. Because every night I'll get an email saying, well, it's easy to talk about it. America's lost. What are you doing about it? What can you do about it? You know, people throwing up their hands. Well, you don't understand. We are doing something about it. The first thing is, you know, talking about it. Well, of course, that's, that's you know, no, that's but but we are the we platform, are But that's the there. right. But that's yeah. the, the the first one of the first steps you take. Absolutely. And then there's so much that is going on behind the scenes that that 
people are unaware of. And you, you've got that, no, you've got yeah, absolutely, Joe. Thank you for that. You've got because people have no idea what we're doing behind the scenes. You know, the uh, the hours we put in in order to advance a certain investigation to to because we there's a lot of things we don't talk about, right? I mean, we don't talk about it on air. Now, I, I will be putting up some. Uh, I will be putting up some articles and images here, and I'll be directing. I'll be, we'll probably be talking more about this as the week progresses. But you've got to understand, we are um, we're we're in the trenches, but we're just not broadcasting where we are, and we're not doing videos about it. Now, George Webb is, which is a, a great job. Um, and I hope, by the way, George, if you're listening, I hope, I hope, I hope. I, I heard you say something about not wanting Podesta to go to jail and Donna Brazil to go. To, I hope you, you. No, no, man. Look, we have to push 100. percent and um uh there are just as i don't just as I do not agree with George Webb on his political ideology, I don't agree with him on that statement if in fact um I know he's tired and he makes like you know five six videos a day, so but we have to hold these people accountable. we must hold these people accountable, so I just want to to toss that in there, squeeze that in there because we are doing things not not just getting the word out there, but we are working behind the scenes. To make a difference, and we're and I know Russ Dizdar's out there as well. Uh, and if you could see some of the images that that I've seen, that Russ has seen, uh, of of children in cages, they're authenticated, sent to law enforcement, and the interesting and the interesting response from law enforcement, uh, it, it's it's heartbreaking. So. And Craig Sawyer has seen these and shown these same pictures, the evidence. And you, and you might think, well, that's the job of the FBI. Oh, is it? How are they doing on the Hillary servers? How are they doing on the 60, uh, 650,000 emails so far? Where are they on this? Well, you know, you know interesting. If we can kind of take a left turn here posted this story on the web on Hagman Report earlier and I uh, I expected to see this story today after last night after the show went home and, and turned on the news stations to see you know what the mainstream media was saying about the terror attacks in the UK and the Daily Caller uh, put up a piece today CNN MSNBC largely ignore terror attack to focus on Russian collusion coverage now, not only are, are these networks uh, the, the same ones who will, you know, put you down for Islamophobia, for you speaking out about Islamic terror attacks, but they're the, the ones who are driving the false narrative of the Trump-Russia collusion, continuing to make up stories out of thin air in order to keep the narrative alive with no shame whatsoever. So last night, this from the Daily Caller, CNN and MSNBC largely ignored breaking news of a terror attack Monday night in England for nearly an hour to rehash news about President Trump and accusations his campaign colluded with Russia during the election. The initial reports of the explosion at the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester came about 6 p.m. Fox News began extensive coverage of the attack around 6.50. By then, at least 20 were reported dead and hundreds wounded in what was quickly becoming a clear instance of a major terror attack. CNN's Aaron Burnett and MSNBC's Chris Matthews were eager to dive into the Washington Post report at the top of the 7 o'clock hour, and their segments were literally torn between 
that news and the news of people being blown up at the concert. Washington Post reported that Trump asked two top U.S. intelligence officials to publicly deny the existence of any evidence his campaign colluded with Russia. Now, folks, just a, a quick note here for those who've been following along, you already know this. There is no evidence of Trump colluding with Russia. So for him to even uh, be accused of asking intelligence officials to publicly deny the existence of evidence is is absurd. Um, and obviously these are anonymous sources, uh, which is how they pull this uh, you know, out of thin air. But the report goes on to say that CNN and MSNBC briefly cut to the news of the attacks before 7 p.m., but both networks opted to devote the bulk of the hour to a discussion of news regarding the report on Trump and Russia collusion accusation. MSNBC devoted only 26 minutes of that hour to news of the massive terror attack, and CNN covered the attacks for just under 20 minutes. And, you know, they have um, in the in the report here, just to, to kind of give you... Uh, an idea of what these opening statements were from uh, MSNBC and CNN. The This is one of the first ones. Police say there have been a number of fatalities and a serious incident after a concert at Manchester Arena, Chris Matthews said in the opening of his segment. People at the arena are heard screaming in the background of a segment, a video clip from the arena plays. The very next sentence. A senior U.S. intelligence official tells MSNBC news that there has been an explosion. We'll get the latest on that in a minute. We begin, however, with the shocking news in Washington tonight. As Chris Matthews continued to spend the next 20 minutes discussing the report on Trump before even going back to the attack. On CNN, the coverage was relatively the same. Erin Burnett did not even mention the attack at the beginning of her segment on MSNBC. Viewers who tuned in at, who turn, turned in at 7 p.m. had no clue the attack was happening until about 17 minutes into her show, Breaking news. A stunning report, she said in the open. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Washington Post reporter breaking this story. Trump and Israel denying something he was never accused of. He Did he incriminate himself? And, and it continues from there. And both videos are up on, on the and, Daily Caller. And, and today, the, and, the, the hearings, the, the, the collusion, criminality, uh, uh, conspiracy, uh, contact, all C-words... Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. But you know, not one time did Brennan or anyone else confirm the collusion. That's another thing uh, with the media. I saw today on a number of websites that Brennan said there was no evidence or there was no evidence of collusion or that Trump asked anybody to interfere in the elections. But that same... Uh, clip of Brennan testifying under oath was put up on on the site Mediate saying the opposite headline was true that Clapper or uh, Brennan confirms see I don't know how they get away with this there's no accountability when it comes to mainstream media journalism um, they they run fake stories literally making them up as they go sometimes and and folks I'm sure many of you have seen the media deception Stories from CNN, MSNBC, and others, even Fox News, where they run literally uh, false stories, you know, from fake locations. Uh, the Gulf War, CNN and the Gulf War, was one of the the more popular ones that people might be aware of. Yeah, all this has been proven. But this is what yeah. what we're, 
you know, what we're up against. Not only that, kind of a side note here. Um, how many people saw this? Black Lives Matter awarded 2017 Sydney Peace Prize. The human rights movement, Black Lives Matter, won this year's Sydney Peace Prize. The movement will be honored in Sydney, Australia this November. Each year, the Sydney Peace Foundation honors a nominee who has promoted peace with justice, human rights, and nonviolence. Past recipients include Julian Burnside, Professor Noam Chomsky, and the former Irish president, Mary Robinson. And again, they, they being the Guardian and this, um, Sydney Peace Foundation honoring Black Lives Matter for the 2017 Sydney Peace Prize. When you have mainstream media, not only here in America, but also in international news, promoting uh, movements like this. And it'd be one thing if Black Lives Matter was just a peaceful movement. It'd be one thing if they did promote peace with justice. But it has turned into something completely different. It has turned into a political action movement. Right. It has turned into a violence movement. It has turned into a special rights movement. Okay. That demeans other races, other groups of people inside this own country. It, it, but but see, this is like a war of peace prize. But, but okay, I mean, exactly. It, but this exactly. Is, it, it goes to show that the it's not only um, you know when we talk about when we're talking with Leo Holman when we talk about immigration, it's not only the governments who are a lot of it is the media, because as you said a few weeks ago when we were talking about perception, perception. If you shape perception, you can change reality. Yes, unfortunately. And this goes right into what I was wanted to mention, too, because this is uh, at, at uh, 5.13 Eastern time today, for example. Sean Hannity sent a, a, a tweet out on his Twitter feed. Media Matters is trying to silence me, get me fired, pressure my advertising on radio and TV. Liberal fascism. I need your help. Okay, now, okay, now, now, how does that relate to Black Lives Matter, for example? It, it, it relates, no, you know, it doesn't. It, it does relate to Black Lives Matter. It does. Well, when, when you have the Black Lives Matter under the umbrella of media matters well, being used right. as a tool of influence by being, you know, paying these people to, to act politically or on political motivation. But, but, but here's, okay, what they've done with Fox News. Because now you talked, we were talking earlier together about the, about the media. You mentioned about CNN and, and showing the, you know, the war, the different picture, the pictures, and it's all fake. Um, what they've done to Fox News is ripped them down from inside. And to understand uh, exactly how they did it is is critical you've got to understand the, the how they took down bill o'reilly how they took down we acted operated within the board kind of like a hostile takeover from within and this is what they're doing now except it's much more in your face so when hannity sean hannity says media manners is trying to silence me get me fire pressure my advertising on radio and tv liberal fascism and combine that with the uh you you follow that stream of money for example from Media Matters, and look at who funds Black Lives Matter. Look at who funds all of these fascist groups. They all lead, all the roads lead through, not to, but through the Clintons and the Podestas, the David Brocks, and then the the um, the collateral uh, people of associated with those people and groups. So we're talking about the same enemy here, 
and I think we have to kind of take a few steps back and, and look at the problem as it exists as a whole. If, if, a, if, a, if a body has gangrene, you, you do, you've got to look at the, at, at the, this whole systemic, um, a problem, a medical right. problem. Okay, you don't cut it right where the gangrene ends. You you look to see what it's infected inside, as and you well. cut it appropriately. Right. Because if you cut it too, uh, you don't cut enough. It's going to continue to come back. And, 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 and yeah, and, and and where the, the, there's a, there's a really disconcerting to me disconnect here that I see taking place. For example, on Sean Hannity with Sean Hannity, and you you see people attacking him, um, making accusations of alleged or suggestive sexual harassment of course that that whole yeah, thing was 30 years later 10 years later right i mean that's a mess and of course the individual who made those accusations insists of course no it wasn't sexual harassment but you know but, but regardless of 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 how that is how they stated that and how what what this is and by the way this person's a conservative and a you know, oh my goodness mm-hmm. a political conservative well okay you don't frag the people on your side just because you're you got butt hurt and they score political okay. points oh yeah but but even worse because you got you got a sore butt you don't frag the people on your side you get over it. You move on. In my view, anyway. And these are my personal opinions. When a country, the republic, the population, when your, when your children's lives, the quality of, of the lives of your children and your grandchildren, when they're at stake, you gotta think bigger than your own personal feelings. You gotta think bigger of your own little, uh, the, the little world that you created. You gotta be, you gotta, you gotta play nice in the sandbox that you're in with your, your friends. You don't start beating your friends over the head with a plastic pail when you're getting attacked and, and, you know, beat up by the schoolyard bullies. Oh, I suppose you could. (laughs) So, this is why, uh, this is why this concerns me so much when I see uh, and people tend to minimize the importance of these these attacks or uh, minimize the significance of groups like black lives matter or minimize they don't they've got blinders when they when they or kind of like islamic terrorism it's not just islamic terrorism it's islamic terrorism being fueled by the communist progressive agenda within the government it's it's Weapon, the weaponization mm-hmm. of that ideology by the progressives and communists. So look at this in, with bigger eyes, with a, in a bigger way. That's what I'm getting at. Folks, we're coming up against the break. When we come back, we are going to take some phone calls. Uh, just got word from Todd that the phones might be acting a little funny, but we're going to go ahead and, and attempt to do this anyway. The number is 844-769- Two nine four four. That's eight four four seven six nine two nine four four. We want to get as many callers as possible. We want to get your take on the um, the ter- terror attacks in Manchester, as well as uh, anything else that's on your mind. We'll be right back after these short messages. Mm-hmm. 
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Caring Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journey's kit at www.changecoastandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Open lines. Next 30 minutes, right before Stan Dale coming on. Next segment. 844-769-2944. That's 844-769-2944. Fantastic. All right, there you go. Otherwise, it's unlisted, actually. I want to thank Todd, Global Star Radio Network, for all he does. Thank you so much. And I do want to thank our sponsors for their support. And I want to thank each and every one of you for your support. Again, we are really, we, look, what we do takes money. There's no apologies on my end. And we are really going out and uh, 
I believe we're making a difference in certain areas through investigations and through reaching out and helping other organizations advance. And, uh, I, you know, I really think that we're making a big difference. So I want to thank each, each and every one of you for your support. And if it's not financial support, um, if it's prayers, if it's just word of mouth, thank you for that. Thank you. You're much appreciated. Miniman, speaking of sponsors, Miniman Stove. Have you gone there? Go to minimanstove.com. Check out their, their fantastic, uh, rocket stove. Oh, I didn't know what a rocket stove was. Now I, I really, I, I like it. I mean, it's a 50 caliber ammo can. It's insulated. It's got a burner on top. It directs the flame right where it needs to be. You can cook up, uh, uh, you can cook up a prime rib, I believe, on this. I, I'm, I'm being serious. It, it, it's a fantastic unit. It, uh, it's got a, a seal on the on the cover, so it stores clean. It travels clean, no no odor. Uh, it's virtually indestructible. Minuteman rocket stove. It's the best rocket stove on the market, bar none. Fire starters as well, other accessories, including cookware that uh, is to me some of the finest cookware I would use it in my kitchen. In fact, I think my wife did use the 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 one uh uh skillet. No, I know she did. In fact, Jackie who works in the office just nodding, "Yep." Okay. minutemanstove.com minutemanstove.com one more time minutemanstove.com. And folks, we're going to be taking your calls in just a quick second. We already got a number of people on the line. There's a an article from, I believe this is from uh, today, from the Express UK. It goes over some of the terror attacks that have happened in Europe just in the last few years. Obviously, you had Manchester last night. You had a shooting in Paris where a police officer was killed in a terror-related attack on April 20th. April 7th in Stockholm, four people were killed and 15 were injured when a man drove a truck down a busy shopping street. Westminster, March 22nd, 2017, attacker Khalid Massoud mowed down pedestrians on Westminster Bridge, killing two men and two women, injuring many others. You have a knife attack uh, in Lerov in February 3rd, 2017, uh, Lerov, where um, the attacker shot at Allah Akbar and drew a machete on the soldiers after being told that he could not enter the Carousel Shopping Center and uh, no explosives were found. You have uh, the Normandy Church attack, on Tuesday, July 26, 2016, where two armed men stormed a church in a suburb of northern France, and the attackers slit the throat of an elderly priest, uh, injuring others. You have the German attacks in July 2016, where uh, a number of people were killed and injured. The Bastille Day Massacre. You have the Nice terror attacks, July 14, 2016. The Brussels terrorist attacks, March 22, 2016. The Paris terror attack. November 13, 2015. We can go on and on and on. Uh, but instead, let's go to the phones. We're going to go to Jerry in Ohio first. Jerry, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Well, good evening, fellas. No, I'm, I'm concerned about uh, the speech made by, by our president. Uh, I do like him, thank God. But uh, the whole thing is with the Manchester, Europe is in a stage that, you know, they're welcoming and they're willing and I just got back from the Netherlands, and the Moroccans have more or less taken over. 
and all the historical places have all been taken over because Holland is giving their best to all the immigrants, and it's disgusting, and none of the people want to talk about it. They gave it away at the election, and the France just happened also to give it away. However, I'm going to get back to Saudi Arabia because I lived there for... Uh, 12 years and uh, ask me any questions but you know it was pretty mediocre you know his welcoming uh, speech and uh, you know you can't trust those people they don't have a religion it's more or less a movement without uh, any consequences and no conscience and you can ask me any question there is about that country because I saw firsthand uh, what it was living in the eastern province and, uh, you know, traveling almost to Mecca as infidels, we were not permitted to uh, go into Medina or Mecca because even if you put one foot in there, I don't know how they could tell the difference between an infidel and a believer, to be truthful. But it was just a very weird experience, but I, I worked for Aramco, and we lived inside a compound that was pretty well protected with a swimming pool, and we left because Aramco turned into Saudi Aramco, and you had all the changes that were possible. Everything seemed to switch around, the pool customs, and the questioning of the labeling on the American food, everything from the chicken breasts and need I be graphic but the thing of it is you know you live there because the salary is good but you put up with a lot of garbage as well but Jerry, it's an what was isolated it about the, country what was, it about the, what was it about the Trump speech that um, that you didn't agree with I, I didn't see the whole speech I saw well, I listened to it bits and pieces because that's how it seemed to be presented. And I went around and around and around. But, you know, the Saudi sword dance is a dance of war, and it's not a dance of welcome. And uh, I was a little, you know, disgusted by that. But the thing in the speech, it could have been more powerful suggesting that the Saudis who are more or less benefiting like most of Europe they're benefiting from us losing our grip on on world power and it, it just seemed to be kind of mediocre yet it was a good speech don't get me wrong it was very very good and it was to the point but he should have been more to the point uh of condemning the Saudis for what they do. However, as soon as he said something like that, uh, you'd have half of the group in there would walk out. And you know, uh, that's what I was surprised right. to see, that nobody walked out. Pardon well, me? Uh, okay, Jerry, you said you, I could, we could ask anything. You know, okay, I, yeah, I just sure. have two, I got two questions. I already know the answers to these, both these questions. And, okay. um, based on, based on the answers, that tells me all I need to know about Saudi Arabia. Two questions. Number one, can you take a Bible into Saudi Arabia? Number two, can you wear a cross or crucifix around your neck, cross or crucifix in public in Saudi Arabia? Well, the second half was that we had underground mass only because our director of Aramco at that time when it was American run, uh, was a Catholic. And we allowed to have a Catholic mass by a priest. And I'm Catholic and I had no qualms about saying who I was. I wore my crosses to the beach. You know, we celebrated all the holidays, including all the Saudis. 
they had to partake in Christmas as well because the kids went to American schools. But, but, but you, were on, you were on a you were on a compound. You weren't in the general population. We right? were in the compound. Oh yeah, with a with a big right. gate and and uh, and you're not you going to be you're not going to be walking down the streets or a Riyadh uh, carrying a Bible and wearing a cross. Well, you you can't do that because, frankly, they wouldn't know what it was because they're very stupid people. And the thing of it is when you get all these people and they're giving them all kind of arms and everything, who's going to use this stuff? We have to train all those people to use all this paraphernalia. And they frankly don't know. Just like Bell Helicopter when they went into Iran, we were there to visit. It was lovely. The people were friendly, but was occupied by Bell Helicopter because they had to teach the people how to use these helicopters. And it would be the same case of scenario with all the arms deal that we gave to Saudi Arabia. Those people don't know anything except drinking coffee and how to smoke and, you know, and criticize of everybody. And no one seems to get that message. Even watching the king, when Trump was speaking, his eyes were going back and forth. And he looked like, hmm, am I really getting what I think I'm getting? Or should I walk out? I mean, these people well, Gary, are not I'm to go, be trusted. And I'll agree no. with you there. And I'm going to go watch the, the speech. we got to move on yeah, to other it's, callers. It's, it's worth Thank you for it calling. Because it's, it's one to be proud of. Thanks for hearing me out. Thanks for the call, Jerry. You have a good night. You bet. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. Next, we're going to go to Brett in North Carolina. Brett, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question. John Brennan uh, converted to Islam. Is that correct? Well, he's never admitted as much. He is in... Because we don't have religious tests here in our government, uh, sadly, uh, in this case, um, no one can prove it. He's never been seen, uh, you know, with a prayer rug in, in his office. But uh, evidence or uh, statements from uh, John Guandola uh, and others who know of which they speak, he says yes. So that tells me that that is a direct conflict with the Constitution of the United States. In, in in our view, absolutely. But you have Muslims working in the highest levels of DHS and other departments in the United States. Um, but yes, you're you are absolutely correct, brother. Yeah. Thank you, sir, for taking my call. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank man. you. You have a good night. And I think that caller made a great point. Period. Uh, very succinctly, <laughs> he made a great point. Yeah, and would it be, you know, would it be in violation of the Constitution? Um, ideologically, yes, but legally, I don't know. Look, 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 uh, wait, wait a second. You, you've got California saying, it's okay if you are a communist to work in government. What are you thinking? Are you serious? Can you believe that? 50 years ago, yeah. uh, come on. They'd have been thrown in jail. And, and, and we, we've got the communist uh, uh, caucuses. Cockeye. I don't know what the but, but the bottom line is this: you, you've got the, the the Muslims and and the communists, the socialists, all posing a direct threat to this country. Absolutely, any any ideology uh, or belief system that wants to fundamentally change the constitution and change the way that this country runs from its constitutional roots, it it would be a direct uh, conflict of interest, in our opinion, and absolutely should not uh, be allowed to continue to. 
you know, work to subvert the the concept, the laws and the constitution and the ideology that America was built on. We're going to go next to Patty in New Jersey. Thanks for calling, Patty. You're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Patty from New Jersey. Are you there? Hey, Patty. No, Todd said the phones were acting Going up. once. Tonight, Going twice. So. Well, Patty from New Jersey. I'm going to put you on hold like you. and try to bring you we back really on. Do. Let's see if this works. All right. Patty, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. I've got visions in my head of her yelling on the phone. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, all right, Patty, since you can't hear us or we can't hear you, I'm going to put you back on hold, and we are going to go to another caller in just a second here. Um, one thing, I'm, I'm posting this on the website right now. Actually, it's it's up there now. In absurd pivot, CNN suggests Manchester was a right-wing false flag during their segment Monday night during Anderson Cooper's AC360 CNN terror analyst Paul uh, Krudskank admitted there was a suicide bomber was more likely responsible for an explosion at Manchester area after the uh, Grande concert ended however he floated the idea that the bombing could have been part of a right wing extremist plot he says it must be also noted in recent months in Europe that there have been a number of false flag plots where right wing Right-wingers have been trying to blame Islamists for terrorism. We have seen that in Germany in recent weeks, he continues. You can read the rest on HagmanReport.com. All right, we're going to go to Rob in Illinois. Wait a second. Who is this moron? Rob, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. All right. Well, I'm not that moron. (laughs) (laughs) Good evening. What's on your mind, brother? Sorry about that, brother. No, that's all right, Doug. I know how you are by now. A little bit. Uh, first, I want to just start off by I appreciate your guys' show. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate uh, your commun- your uh, communications with da- uh, Dave Hodges and uh, Austin and Ted Brewer. Um, I think you guys are all really developed a really good network there, and I tuned into all of you. So I appreciate that. I, Ooh, I, 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 I can feel say, a butt coming. Is there a butt in there? Oh, there's no, no, absolutely. <laughs> there's no butts. The, you know, the one but I do have is I did learn about you. I was turned on with you because, thankfully, uh, Jones puts you on a show to do interviews with you and Pachanek and all those sorts of people. The only thing I have an issue with is that all the time he interrupts you guys. You know, he has no idea that you guys actually give him credibility when he lets you guys speak. The reason to have a guest is to let them talk about what they know. Yeah, but that's that, that guy's got to interrupt everybody. Oh, that's sweet. Right? You know what? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, not, like I'm not bashing Alex per se. You know, I know, no, I know. I've I heard know. you defend him and whatnot, and, but I've actually had to turn him off uh, recently because I want to get deeper into the stories like you guys are telling, like you and Ted and Dave Hodges and the interviews you guys have, and we're really learning a lot. You guys have helped us wake up a lot. You know what I mean? And well, thanks. Uh, I truly appreciate yeah. you guys. And the way we look at it is this. When we bring a guest on, people want to hear the guest, not us. And when we bring callers on, people want to hear the callers, not us. And Rush Limbaugh used to say, and I don't, I don't know if he still says it, you know, the callers, uh, the job of the callers is to make the host look good. And we, we think it's our belief, and we've had meetings about this, uh, it's our job to make the callers look good. 
you know, because you, you and others have such great ideas. And without the listeners and the callers, we wouldn't exist. So anyway, that's just us. But thanks. No, it, no, it's, it's all cool with me. Like I said, I tuned in to you guys. You guys are, I'm in Central Time, so let's, you guys are on from, uh, six to nine, and then, uh, I'll catch the rebroadcast of the Brother Show after that. Um, what I wanted to say is, you know, I, I listen to a lot of different things. I listen to other networks as well, and I bounce around from show to show and, and pick up new stuff from different people and from viewpoints. But it's really coming down to what I'm, you know, and I'm sure you guys feel it too, that us in the United States, the ones that are tuned into the truth media rather than the corporate media are starting to realize that there's, we kind of got like a national emergency going on here and it's kind of frightening. You know, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but it seems to be like the, the deck is stacked against us and it's been stacked against us for a long time. And with all this corporate media emphasis on lying to us or not telling us the truth or diverting the stories, it's really it's really gotten to a point to where I think we're at an unannounced national emergency. What do you guys think? Well I agree that we're um you know we, we definitely have a crisis here. Uh you know the, there is ideological divides, there are political divides and then it does not and that's always been the case in this country, but it does not help and especially it seems to have turned a corner with one, the election of Donald Trump, and two, the increase of the mainstream media um, just giving us night after night of false stories playing into a narrative that's undermining the the legitimacy of the presidency. And with that, we see this, you know, the Antifa movement, the movement, political movement on the left, where it has made be it's indoctrinated people to the belief that Donald Trump is some kind of, you know, neo-Nazi... Um, you know, Russian spy, and people are, you know, getting physically and mentally all out of whack over this. And it's not even an actual, you know, news story. And when, if they can do something like that, just with the the Trump presidency, imagine what they can do if they really wanted to, um, you know, with any with any story or any point of view. Um, as we said earlier, you know, they, if they can change perception, they can shape reality, and that's what they're doing, and that is very worrisome. And when we see this, you know, huge increase of uh, violence uh, along political lines, that's a big red flag for me. It's a red flag for all most of us. Again, uh, perception. I mean, corporate media—they're they're driving a narrative, and they—they. They, you know, they, they make us think that North Korea is our enemy when we have no idea what the guy is saying. We just know through their translation what they want to tell us about him. Same thing with Syria. Same thing with Iran. Uh, I heard, uh, I don't know where I just heard this, but, uh, uh, they're trying to get everything that ISIS does. They're trying to connect Iran to ISIS. So everything that ISIS does, they're not going to start blaming on Iran. So I just heard that recently. Uh, it's amazing how the, you know, you make a good point in the fact that um, the military-industrial complex or the military-industrial-congressional complex, as somebody stated uh, on our show, is they're profiting. They want this uh, war, you know, wars, constant wars, because of the, uh, of the profits and because, of course, of the depopulation. So you make some good points there. So everything looks like an enemy. Everything, every problem looks like a nail when you have a hammer. 
Well, for the listeners out there, and I'm, I'm not probably not going to hit on all of them. It's not just for the money and the profits. We all why why are they going after North Korea, Iran, and Syria, and then Russia? Is because of the central bank, the globalists, the um, and you guys never really talk about this, but there's the Zionist, the, the Israel and Zionist faction to it. Um, but and then the, the resources in those countries, and then the put put you know their own government in there and take it all over. Um, right now, as somebody else put it the other day, uh, uh, Lindauer from the Covert Report, she's like, well, the other countries we're already in, Iraq, Libya, what have you, they're all depleted wars. They've basically exhausted everything they can do there. You know, they've taken it over. They've got uh, where they want to be uh, as far as the poppy fields in Afghanistan. They've depleted all the resources out of Libya. They've depleted all the resources out of Iraq. They're depleted wars, so they have to go on to the next moves. And again, that's Iran, Syria, North Korea. No central banks. Tons and tons of resources. What was there? Sixteen trillion in resources that they estimate. Fantastic, in Korea. Point. Yeah, fantastic point. Uh, and it, 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 exactly, the money, the the central banks, the resources, all are um, not discussed enough, at least by the independent media, including us. And thank you for bringing that out. And I just want to mention about the the reference to Zionism. Zionism. When you, it's not that we don't. Uh, confront Zionism. It's uh, people often misconstrue the political nature of the, the, what Zionism is. And the moment you, the, the second that you talk about Zionism, oh my goodness, all of a sudden you, you become anti-Semitic. You, you've got to separate right, the political. Yeah. So just so you well, know that we do address it. Go ahead. Well, to that point. It has to be understood when people speak of Zionism, they're not speaking about a whole people or a whole, as they put it, a whole DNA line. They're really speaking about the good apples. They're differentiating the bad apples from the good apples, the people that are meaning harm and are for greed and destruction and manipulating societies and governments and you name it, opposed to not everybody is, you can't lump them all in that one group. You know what I mean? It's like saying, you know, all white people are bad. No, not all white people are bad. There's some bad white people. There's some good white people. There's some trashy white people, and there's some, you know, elite white people. So I'm just using white people because I'm white, and I can get away with that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Rob, Rob we, we have a, I don't mean to interrupt you. We have, we have just like two minutes left, and we have a few callers we got to get to. Um want to thank you for right, your call. It. You have a good night. No, you're welcome, and I, I appreciate you taking the call. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we got about a minute per caller. We got Jim in Ohio. You're up first. Uh, Jim, go ahead. Hey, I got a. I, first of all, I want to thank you guys for being on there because not just you and, and uh, Doug, but you're, everybody that works behind the scenes as well. You guys are doing a great job. Um, I do have a question uh, for the people that do believe in the rapture. Um, if a mother is pregnant when the rapture comes and the mother is not saved or born again, does the baby go to heaven or does it stay with the mother? Jim, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how that works. It's not written in the Bible, um, mm-hmm. but I believe that all innocent life 
obviously God has a plan for are you are you are you with child I, I'm, I'm joking I'm <laughs> I joking belly, but <laughs> don't, no, I was yeah, just don't we all about it and I, we never we don't know you know would the mother go to heaven with the child because of the child or would the baby stay here because of the mother well God can do God can do things mm-hmm. well outside of our understanding so I don't know but yeah, well, Eric the Tech said, that's a good question for Pastor Langford. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, if you can, you know, ask some of your other guests, I, I would appreciate that. It's just, you know, something we sure. were talking about, and I had no idea. Sure. Jim, uh, I want to thank you for the call. we got to get to, we have one more caller, and we have less than a minute. Yeah, thanks for that question. Wow. We'll, we'll rewrote it down, and we will ask. Yeah. You too. Okay. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, we got Michael in Missouri. Michael, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. God bless you, uh, Doug and Joe. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm 65 years old, Vietnam-era veteran. I'm a Messianic Jew. That means I'm black and Jewish at the same time. The highlight of my life was seeing Melania Trump go to Saudi Arabia without a hijab on. Walking around yeah. with a, without a hijab on, uh, representing Western women. And what we have here is an Islamic invasion. Islam is not a religion, it's a cult. And so what I plan to do is send Maxine Waters a plate of chitlins and pig meat and greens and some cornbread with a letter saying, shut up, please, Maxine. Keep up the good work. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. All African Americans aren't on that Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, we know, brother. I've been a Democrat 40 years, and because of people like you and your program, Doug Hodges, Steve Quayle, I voted Republican for the first time in my life. And when I went to the polls, everybody was looking at me, and I said, give me a Republican ballot, please. Yeah. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks, Be brother. Take care, my man. Keep up the good work. You're well loved, okay? Absolutely. Bye-bye. God bless you. You have a good night. All right. That'll do it for the calls tonight. When we come back, Stan Deo will be our guest. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Standeo.com. Go to the show images page to pull that up. We'll be right back after these short messages. Three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, danielholdings.com. That's danielholdings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to danielholdings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. 
capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. That's our website, Hagman and Hagman, for the show. Of course, our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do that. Also, please uh, follow us on social networking. Again, we're, it's not the numbers. It's not, you know, it's really not the numbers. Uh, so we can say how many we have. It's the um, presence where we can operate at a higher level obviously and, and that those numbers provide us a level of insulation so please subscribe anywhere we are even if you don't use twitter subscribe or you know if you're if you're uh, whatever just 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 help us out and do that support our sponsors and thank you so much for your financial support so we can keep this engine running the the pump the pump primed we can do things um behind the scenes satellite phone store Speaking of sponsors, SatellitePhoneStore.com, SatellitePhoneStore.com. That's right, SatellitePhoneStore.com. Let me tell you something. Uh, in, in times when you need, in times of crises, communications are extremely important. What happens when the cell towers go down, when the grid goes down? Uh, satellite phones, you're going to need that communication. Talk to my good friend Eric Tallman at the Satellite Phone Store, SatellitePhoneStore.com. Uh, give him a call. Go to SatellitePhoneStore.com. Look up Eric Tallman uh, from the Satellite Phone Store and have him recommend a plan for you. Tell him what your needs are. They'll, they'll fashion a plan for you. The Iridium satellite phones are personal favorites, uh, and, and everything can be run by satellite. It's now uh, about the same price, roughly, as you know, some of the cell phone plans out there. Really, it's not that it's not that much more, and the peace of mind is well worth it. SatellitePhoneStore.com. I also want to mention uh, Trading Post in the Woods as well. Uh, Trading Post in the Woods, they've got just wonderful products. Uh, we use all of their products. They've got the American um, Heritage, Heritage uh, uh, Remedies 
kit. Well, let me tell you something. Training posts in the woods, the knowledge that they've got, the the uh, the, uh, uh, the various products that they have, it's just an amazing website, amazing people behind the website, and amazing products. Tradingpostinthewoods.com. Folks, visit Trading Post in the Woods. And, and send them a question. If you've got questions about the products, send them a question. They, they will respond. They are really good at, at that, and I've learned so much through that website, tradingpostinthewoods.com. Lastly, you know, it's interesting because uh, I just received a book in the mail. Well, I shouldn't say just received a book in the mail. When uh, John Robertson was here. Yeah, that's, uh, I started reading that. We, we were going through some some things, and, you know, it's... it's uh, we, um, and, I, and I have to make an apology to, to uh, Chad Schaefer. He uh, for not responding earlier on this. Um, I Chad Schaefer. Okay. Well, he he was a caller. He started off. In fact, here, here's what he wrote uh, in the inscription part of his book titled "The World in the Bondage of Egypt Under the Tri- uh, Triumphal Arch of Titus." Okay. He wrote uh, in part. He wrote, "Never in a million years did I foresee going from just being a caller." all those years ago, uh, known simply as Chad from Indiana, to being a guest on, on the program. So Chad from Indiana, you remember him? Uh, he wrote a book with Doug Krieger, The World in the Bondage of Egypt. God bless him. And Karen Rogers, too. Karen Rogers, Racing with My Shadow. I mean, we have some great listeners, mm-hmm. great members of, of, of our listening audience. Racing with My Shadow, what a wonderful, uh, well... What a fantastic story! Go yeah. to Amazon.com. Racing with my shadow, uh, Karen Rogers. Okay, and we got uh, we got Stan Dale with us. Just real quick, want to give you guys uh, some uh, an update on a breaking story broke on Drudge just a little bit ago. Obama intelligence agencies secretly conducted illegal searches on Americans for years. Um, this is a story that's that's developing and talks about the National Security Agency under. President Barack Obama routinely violating American privacy protections while scouring through overseas intercepts, failing to disclose the extent of the problems. Um, and it says more than 5%, one out of every 20 searches seeking upstream Internet data on Americans inside the NSA so-called Section 702 database violated the safeguards Obama and his intelligence chiefs vowed to follow in 2011. So keep your eyes on that. Stan, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Did I miss anything in two weeks? <laughs> well, that depends. I'm sure you were. Uh, you guys have were keeping up to date with the news and everything. No, not really. No. Yeah. Same. Yeah. We missed you though. Same stuff. Weekend over in the Middle East, hadn't it? <laughs> Very much so. I see uh, on the show images page you got a lot of stuff up there about Trump's first foreign policy trip, uh, both to Israel, Saudi Arabia, and to the Vatican, which. The latter part is uh, one uh, he's still on his way to. Yeah, that's in progress. Yeah, but so the first um, one, yeah, yeah, where do we sorry, start? Go on. No, where should we start? Well, um, well, okay. First of all, the the uh, waving the U.S. flag over there really uh, looked good. Uh, it uh, Trump looked very presidential, and his wife uh, presented well. Um, the situation that you see on TV doesn't tell you a lot of the behind the scenes problems over there uh, and how difficult 
what he wants to achieve would be to achieve uh, between the Arabs and Israel and the Vatican and various other countries here like Iran. Uh, I think you're probably aware that Saudi Arabia and Iran are at, at odds with each other over their different types of uh, Islam, are you not? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, now, normally you have Sunni uh, Islam and Shia. The Saudis are Sunnis. The Iranians are Shia. Now, within the Saudi Islamic faith, they have a what they call a... Uh, an extremist uh, group which are called Wahhabis uh, after the guy that uh, started back in the late 1700s uh, you know, Muhammad blah 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 bin Wahhab and the thing is that this Wahhab fellow looked at Islam and he said, you know, at Sunni Muslim Islam, and he said okay, I see people uh, you know, uh, Muslims from other countries in the Arab states coming over here and worshipping you know, at Mecca, at the at the big cube, you know, and uh, various other religious sites and graves of imams that have passed that were really great teachers, but they're leaving, you know, like you know, offerings and stuff at the graves of these imams and, and great leaders, and, and not so much worshiping, uh, you know, uh, Allah, as uh, the uh, Sunni teaching should say. So this guy says, this Wahhab guy says, okay, let's cut out all this stuff and worship one God, not a bunch of little, you know, um, uh, heroes, uh, you know, imams, etc. in the faith. That's just not what the the uh, Quran says. So his extremism was to cut it back to worshiping one God and no, uh, in their terms, you know, like a saint in the Catholic Church, go like that. And so that's extreme in the uh, Muslim faith in the Middle East. Now, the fundamentalist Christians are in essence like that a bit toward the Vatican and the various saints and stuff that people pray to that kind of stuff we don't do that so in essence we're like the Wahhab version uh, of Islam in that we are the the uh, fundamentalist version of what the Bible teaches anyway knowing this you look back into the history of Saudi Arabia and you see that this guy Wahhab uh, didn't get much traction in the beginning when he started trying to preach his version of uh, interpreting the Quran, and he moved over into the middle of Saudi Arabia into Riyadh, and um, in the area there, a little suburb there, and he said, "Look uh, to the Saud family. Uh, look, I need to push this forward. It's a, it's a good concept." And the Saud family said, "Yeah, okay, that, that's a good idea. We'll back you." So they gave him lodging, they funded him, and it started the spread of Wahhabism uh, in Saudi Arabia, and then eventually uh, around to other Arab countries, but mainly the seat of it is Saudi Arabia. Now, the Saud family, of course, are the ruling family now of Saudi Arabia. Uh, King Salman is King Salman al-Saud of the Saud family. The situation with terrorism in the world, particularly in the Middle East where it starts, is that a lot of terrorism comes out of the Wahhabi faction of Islam in Saudi Arabia. So President Trump goes over there to meet with the Arabs to uh, 
sell them planes and arms and stuff like that. And then he leaves there and goes over to Israel. Of course, we know that we support Israel with arms and all kinds of stuff, you know, money and uh, you know, support uh, politically. Now, the two are at odds with each other. What I cannot understand is how, you know, anyone, you know, Trump or anyone else, is going to get the Wahhabis, you know, the Wahhabism of Saudi Arabia to accept Israel and to make peace and not fight anymore. The only reason that Saudi Arabia is not going after Israel at the moment is that the enemy of Saudi Arabia uh, is, is Iran. So the enemy of his enemy, which would be Israel and the United States, are his friends. It's kind of a strange bedfellow thing where, you know, um, the United States arms Saudi Arabia to get against Iran and settle the Syrian conflict and still protect Israel. This is a very, very delicate situation over there at the moment. And uh, my hat's off to President Trump for going over there and trying to uh, <laughs> to bring peace between these warring uh, factions. It's a several thousand year old uh, war that's uh, escalated once uh, Mohammed uh, put religion onto the uh, the Arab countries over there. Um, and about three weeks ago, on the fourth of May, in essence, the uh, the King Salman's brother died. Now he um, he was the head of the com- the council or the commission in uh, Saudi Arabia that chooses who's going to be the next king. You know the, the succession council. Now he died on the fourth of May. Um, he was Ben um, Salman, you know, the, the king's um, brother and, and and powerhouse there to allow King Salman to choose who he wanted to through his brother controlling the council. Now he's died now. Okay. Uh, before he died, King Salman had said, okay, let's appoint my uh, young nephew over on this side of the family, uh, Mohammed bin Nayef. Let's appoint him as the successor to the throne. And the deputy successor will be my son, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, MBN. Uh, sorry, uh, MBS. Okay, well, now that his brothers died, uh, I think there's like 27 or 28 members of the council. I'm not exactly sure the number anymore, but um, it means that there will be possibly a new dynamic in there. And Bin Nayef, the the appointed uh, you know crown prince to succeed King Salman, has uh, you know a trained with the United States in essence against uh, you know radical uh, terrorism. So he's, he's wanting to get rid of ISIS and a lot of other things like that. Bin Salman, uh, the, 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 the king's son, is in opposition to Bin Nayef. Now, I know this is starting to sound like a lot of strange names and, and, and uh, you know, who's up who, but the two guys that are vying for control of the country to be king of Saudi Arabia when King Salman dies, which he may do uh, soon, or he may be removed from power because of his senility. These two guys are competing, and they're two different kinds of ideologies, totally two different kinds. Um, Prince Ben Salman uh, is um, young, 31, 32 uh, age. He's uh, you know, a progressive. The uh, two-thirds of the country that are under 30 love him to death. Uh, ben Nayef, the other guy that wants the throne, is an old fuddy-duddy and, you know, is and not so much supporting the Wahhabi uh, support of uh, terrorism. Now, 
the Saud family, as I said at the beginning of this, they helped Wahhabism form. And the Sunni Muslims of the, the country, which Wahhabi is, uh, is a part of, but the other mainstream you know, Sunnis don't like the ruling family Saud. So the country is in a very delicate state of balance. I think that what's going to happen is that they will, the people will run with Mohammed bin Salman, as I've been saying for some time. Salman uh, sounds like Solomon, uh, like in the Revelation uh, 13, you know, where we talked about the, uh, here wisdom is it, and it's uh, King Solomon, and, uh, you know, the modern Antichrist may well be a, a Solomon-type character, and he may even have the name Solomon. That's not a, a Hebrew name, by the way, Solomon. Uh, the Hebrew name for King Solomon that we know in English is Shlomo. Uh, you know, Melech Shlomo, King Solomon, but it's Shlomo. Anyway, I think the the Middle East kind of confused over the generations because of all the tribal migrations and captivities and stuff. They, they merged uh, Melech Shlomo from Israel, King Solomon of Israel, with the name... Solomon or Shalman from the Arab legends from Shalmaneser the Great, which preceded uh, you know King David. Anyway, now uh, it's interesting that two of the five uh, potential candidates for Antichrist that I put on my show images page here last year uh, were visited and uh, you know wined and dined back and forth uh, by President Trump. Uh, not the not the not the Pope, but uh, the Salman family. You know, uh, both the King and uh, both Bin, bin Nayef and uh, Bin Salman have been over and talked with uh, President Trump before the visit uh, that we saw this weekend. So it was kind of old home week for them, knowing ideas and sharing things. But going over to the Vatican now, we've got another candidate possibly for Antichrist. I know some people say it might be Obama. Some people say it might be Erdogan of Turkey. You know. Uh, Assad of Syria. There are four or five of these that I've put up a few characteristics for on that uh, page. Uh, if you go to my show images page, it's image 13. You click on that and you can go see all that uh, stuff about them and their various characteristics that might qualify them for Antichrist. Um, the, the problem I see is that Trump is uh, he's certainly going over on a fact-finding mission and trying to give, you know, a, a Income to the United States by selling weapons and things like that. But are they going to, the United States uh, manufacturers, are they going to put some kind of software or glitch in the weapons they're selling to our potential enemies, you know, the, the Saudis, uh, so that they can turn them off if they try to attack Israel? I mean, I, I can see that uh, President Trump is very good friends with Netanyahu and is supporting Israel. But, you know, how do we stop? Uh, by funding all this weaponry for Saudis, how do we stop them using that against Israel? Uh, you know, I, I don't understand how that can be done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot of intrigue into this this foreign policy trip by Trump, and what you just laid out about the the Saudi uh, princes and the the fact that he wants to. Um, what you said about uh, bringing peace to the to the two different factions from a you know thousands of year old uh, conflict, I'm not sure that that can be uh, attained. At, at the same time, you have to make the effort, and he seems to be doing that. And as far as Netanyahu 
is concerned. There's a lot of, um, you know, he has Jared Kushner, uh, his son-in-law. There is a lot of um, people who, who believe that uh, his ties to Israel uh, are some kind of of hindrance to his presidency, which I don't understand. But okay, it, can I can I ask a question? Uh, what, what did you, Stan? What was your opinion about the optics, or what the optics of uh, Donald Trump going to the Western Wall? That was interesting. I, I don't understand totally. I know what they said, but I don't understand why uh, the State Department didn't want Netanyahu and Trump to go together to the Whaley Wall or to the Kotal. Um, as far as Trump was concerned, he was happy to have uh, you know Netanyahu uh, accompany him, and both of them pray together at the wall. But for some reason, they're saying it was a political optic, you know, that that, that happened, and um, you know. <laughs> He, President Trump and his whole family, in essence, all had their time at the wall individually. So I think it was a, a good gesture, but I'm, I'm confused by the fact that they, the State Department didn't want Bibi to, you know, President, uh, sorry, Prime, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu to be there with him. What's your take on that? You, you know, I think the, the symbolism, uh, speaks volumes, the, President of the United States actually being depicted at the wall and placing a prayer in the wall. Uh, I think that 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 has a lot of visual and visual impact, and also the implications, ideological implications, or implications that transcend the, just the mere politics. Um, however. When was the last time? And, and I'm—I don't—I genuinely don't know the answer to this question. When was the last time we had a president, an active, seated president, engage in that activity? Did we ever have that happen? I don't recall ever seeing that. Maybe, maybe I missed it. Maybe I slept through that class. I don't know. But you know, um, I don't know. I—I I, I can't remember. It says Trump yeah, was the first so. president to pray at Western Mall. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, he, 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 as far as I could see, he did all the right moves, you know, in Israel. Um, and he was trying to be very careful to not let his personal friendship, you know, um, be the, the, the main news item as far as what he was doing. But you know that for 35, 40 years that he and, and uh, Netanyahu have been friends and been guests in each other's homes. So um, that's a good thing. And and I, well, I know that Israel is the house divided. You know, they've got more parties than Republicans and Democrats. they got several, you know, groups of power factions that have to bond together to form, you know, a ruling government every time they have an election. Um, and, and Netanyahu's, you know, just squeaked in and it's, it's held the power by very clever discussions with some of the parties that he had to went over to his side of the coalition. Um, so it's not a done deal that Israel will want to do everything in the future that we would like them to do with us in the Middle East. So right now it's a very critical short window, you know, short window time to get things done in the Middle East that we need to do to protect, you know, our oil interests and to protect Israel and um, hopefully to... Um, get away uh, from nuclear war with Iran and uh, Syria. It, so it's, it's it's good that Netanyahu and Trump are old-time friends, and I hope that uh, Prime Minister
keep his seat, you know, and is able to stay there a long time to, you know, settle the situation in the Middle East as far as Israel's defense. I'm certainly glad that we're able to send them, you know, uh, aircraft and uh, uh, you know, uh, the F-35 uh, fighter bombers and things like that. But um, uh, if we can't keep Trump in office for eight years, it's going to be a short and incomplete deal in the Middle East as far as U.S. involvement. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with that, Stan, and I am concerned about the... Um, the, the 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 push against Donald Trump, the uh, impeachment potential for impeachment, it, it seems like it doesn't matter what the truth is. Um, the leaks are out of control. The pushback against appointments are are just uh, incredulous. The yeah. Obama, the shadow government, and uh, working in collusion with Hillary Clinton and the Clinton uh, team. All of this, I'm not sure any anyone could withstand that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Look, uh, my hats off to the man, uh, to President Trump. I mean, uh, it it is hard enough to try to uh, turn the country around without having all these uh, stumbling blocks by former presidents and uh, you know power uh, magnets like uh, you know, Soros. Uh, they're just, they're not playing fair, they're not giving him a fair go. There is no intention of letting any other person or, or party uh, change the way that the uh, the Washington elite wanted to go. Um, and I, we pray for him every day, Holly and I, uh, twice a day at least, and uh, for his safety and his family's safety, and, and Vice President Pence, and for his appointed administration that are working with him. I've just never seen such a well, like a like a mutiny. I guess it would be uh, against the president, against the White House. It's it's sad. It's uh, the end of the peaceful age that we used to have here after the war. You, you know the uh, the everything that that we had said about Obama. Uh, the exposures of Obama's uh, problems from his identity through, I mean, if we, when we go back and we look at all of this and compare the, uh, we'll just compare Obama to President Trump. It, I, I just, I, it, to me, this shows how powerful the media has become especially under Obama, the corporate media. Although mo- most people now are beginning to realize it's all uh, it's all erroneous, it's all or, or deliberately erroneous or propaganda. It's still fashioning the talking points for the talking heads out there. So I, I and the public as well. So yeah, it's now what about Vice President Pence because if they were successful in removing, and I pray that this does not happen because it affects our country. But how do you, how do you stand? How do you feel about Mike Pence? I guess we'll get the answer to that yeah, question on the other side. To hit that on the other side yeah. of the break, folks. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman Report. Stan Deo is our guest. Go to the website standeo.com, bookmark the website, and each and every time Stan comes on. 
not only can you read his, his website for the photo of the day, video of the day, all the news and updated information, information on, on the books and DVDs, but also the show images page is right there on the right-hand side of the microphone on the right-hand side of the website. You pull that up, and you can follow along with uh, all the research and information Stan put together to present on the show. We'll be right back with Stan Deo after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changepostandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Welcome 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this final segment on this edition of the Hagman Report. Our guest is Mr. Stan Dale. Standale.com is the website, and bookmark that website. There's tons of useful information posted daily there by both Stan and Holly, and it's a great source of info not only for when he comes on, but just in general. Before the break, Stan, uh, we asked you what you thought of Mike Pence with all this mainstream media talk of impeachment. I don't believe will go anywhere, at least uh, not with anything they have been presenting for reasons now. But what a, let's just say hypothetically that it does happen. What do you think of Mike Pence? Well, you know, uh, on the surface, what we see in the press, Mike Pence is a good Christian man, a, you know, heavy man. And, uh, um, uh, however, I think he uh, probably comes from the establishment uh, that they allowed him to be, you know, put in as, as a vice president, I think. Uh, so that he was a man that they could influence should he become president. I do think that it's the uh, uh, you know the left wing, the uh, the ones that want to destroy America, that you know the the uh, Illuminati, the Illuminists, whatever you want to call them, the the guys that are opposing Trump. I do think that they are trying their best to get rid of Trump, uh, you know, either physically or legally or whatever. And we pray against that, as I suppose a lot of Christians do every day. Uh, but if Mike Pence comes in, he may be more controllable than uh, you know Donald Trump because he doesn't have the resources behind him that Trump does. Um, you know, it's uh, look look at this. Look at what the, the deal we're talking about, where Trump signs a hundred and ten billion dollar defense deal, right, with the Saudis. Over the weekend, mm-hmm. 110 already, million dollar arms deal. Yeah, already you have uh, Senator Rand Paul wanting to force a vote against that to stop the the uh, the sale of weapons to Saudi Arabia. His alleged reason is uh, because he doesn't want to draw the United States into a Yemeni war because Saudi Arabia is down there in Yemen and, and having you know an involvement in the civil war down there, which is. Mainly started by the Iranians pushing over there, the uh, the uh, Shiite uh, Muslims. But before Trump even gets home, here here is Rand Paul trying to to undo this deal that he's done to sell the weapons. Now, uh, as I said to you, that's his alleged reason is you know to uh, avoid getting involved in the Yemeni civil war down there as support to uh, Saudi Arabia. I mean. You know that that contract that they signed, uh, that uh, United States uh, Trump signed with the Saudis, giving them our missiles, our bombs, armored uh, personnel carriers, those really nice new uh, like uh, uh, stealth littoral combat ships, um, high altitude area defense missile systems, and you know all kinds of munitions. Um, I I wonder about the wisdom of that myself, but as I expressed earlier in the program, but. Uh, you know, I don't have access to all the information that the White House does, or Senator Rand Paul. But anyway, you know, it's already started. Let's undo what President Trump has just done. That's what Senator Rand Paul is trying to do. He probably won't get a vote to to uh, knock it down. Uh, I think he tried it once during the Obama administration as well. Um, you know, but uh, I think it was last year, midsummer, or late summer, something like that. But uh, You'll see that on the Drudge Report, they, you know, he's he's tried to to uh, cause Mr. Trump or 
yeah. here and there. And hey, see, Rand, Rand what, what, just a, a closing thought on what you said. Rand Paul has has continued to be an objective voice uh, in the Senate when it comes to Trump. He's been very fair. I don't know. Um, I'd have to to look at. I, I saw what you were, we were talking about with him wanting to force a vote on it. I don't know what standing he would have or what his reasons are, but that's definitely something to to look into. Um, yeah, go ahead, Stan. Yeah, well, I I know that uh, uh, you know I was looking at the uh, the tape, the video of the uh, you know the royal reception over there in Saudi Arabia for the Trumps, and when they were having their tea service, I think, or sometime around that time, uh, Melania who was sitting next to Ben Nayef, you know, the older uh, crown prince, uh, to try to take the throne. Anyway, if you look at image 36 I've got and just click and look at the big picture you'll see her body language is confrontational you know her her left uh, leg is over her right one pointing away from Ben Nayef and of course he's leaned over toward her you know like for this conversation he's all kind of closed in and she's her body language just says no not buying it you gotta wonder what the behind-the-scenes feeling in the Trump family yeah. is toward Ben Nayef. I think yeah. I think Trump favors uh, young Ben uh, uh, Salman, you know, the one in Image 34. Um, he's a guy to watch. Look, I, I tell you what, he's bright. He's, he's, he's forming a, or he's already formed, a an investment uh, pool in the Middle East, which is like going to be like $20 trillion in, by twenty. 30, I think, uh, you know, from all the investments and, and, uh, and earnings you're going to get. He's involved in blockchain, you know, in a company that set up the blockchain uh, international uh, digital exchange uh, for corporations so that if you buy, I don't know, uh, yachts or whatever from some company that it'll have tagged to that yacht forever in the international digital uh, exchange. It'll have who bought the yacht, who they bought it from, how much they paid for it, and a lot of other details about that yacht, which will travel with it until it's destroyed. And it's, it's blockchain um, documenting, which they want to then put onto people, so that everything about people will be in the transaction they make. If you buy a car, then, you know, uh, Doug bought this car on this date. It was this kind of car. He paid this much for it, and then when he sold it, uh, it went to blogs. And, you know, here's blogs details. This is the forerunner for what the new world order will need under the Antichrist of the uh, this age. Now, I don't think that the first Antichrist, you know, the Antichrist before the false prophet, I don't think the first Antichrist um, will be able to set up that um, financial system. Remember, he, he gets the head wound, he's, he recovers everything, but um, the false prophet, the one that comes after the second beast, causes images to be made to the first beast and it describes the first beast in so many ways and if you look at Revelation um, 13, 18 I just mentioned 13 but 13, 18 now it says here, here wisdom is let anyone who has understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and 6 now that's telling you that first beast is a man and this is the second beast um, you're talking about the first beast and causing people to worship an image of the first beast, which is a man. But the man that had the wisdom was Solomon. Solomon. Just like young 
oil dependency, and he's revising the social, uh, social and religious uh, customs of the country to allow women more freedom under you know the the Sunni uh, uh, faith, and he's the guy to watch. I'm telling you, Mohammed bin Salman is the man that could most probably be the Middle Eastern first antichrist, you know, the antichrist, the first beast. Um, and I just watch these things developing here. He's going to be handling, he's, he's in charge of the portfolio for defense. He's going to be handling all those arms. He has already formed what they're calling in the news today uh, an Arab-NATO-type alliance of the 34 nations. We talked about this, you and I, last year, mm-hmm. you know, about this 34 nation. Uh, okay, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do according to prophecy. I'm sure this guy plays a major part. And he will probably be wounded and, and you know, take a back seat eventually. And I think the real power is in the second beast, you know, the false prophet, going over to Erdogan or to the Pope or somebody over in that area, uh, who will pick up the mantle and, you know, say, you know, the first beast, you know, this well, why is this Solomon or maybe even his name is Solomon, you know, he was on the right track, and and uh, let's uh, support him and let's worship him and that kind of stuff. So, the first beast will have power for a short time, I think. But the second beast is the one to watch, in my opinion. Okay. In my opinion, I know it's just an opinion, but <laughs> well, this is something you've been talking about for a long time, and it's definitely something we need to we can keep our eye on and see how. Well, don't you how don't you I'm, feel I'm that there are things in this visit? coming up, you know, the, to the surface that tell us that there's, we're getting very close to the moment when Santa Christ is going to be identified, whoever he is. What was that, Sam? Can you repeat that? I said, oh, sorry, it dropped out. Um, I, I say, if you look at all the things that have been happening in Trump's visit so far, and, you know, what will happen in the Vatican as well, and, you know, when he goes up to Brussels as well, but what you're seeing is that the Antichrist, whoever he's going to be, whoever he is, uh, we're very close to seeing him come to power. Very close. Well, I would definitely agree that we are in the end times, and whether that's, you know, two years or, or 40 years, um, you know, when things are starting to be revealed, we're definitely getting closer. And the way things are continue to intensify, it doesn't look like it's going to be slowing down anytime soon. That's for sure. No. And then when you look at the the uh, developments down there, or the alleged developments at the South Pole, and uh, all the strange going-ons we've talked about, a number of, other, of your guests have talked about, um, you know, I see us getting very close to the uh, uh, revealing of, uh, you know, quote-unquote aliens and their presence on the planet as part of the thing that uh, Daniel talked about that the Antichrist will have to use to run the planet. There's just a lot of things, you know, disclosure, full disclosure of the UFO thing that um, I think are just imminent. Yeah. And, Stan, I want to kind of switch gears here. Uh, I want to get your opinion on this. Any any comments or thoughts on the soft target terrorist attack of the concert in Manchester yesterday? Well, um do you think that it was in response to uh, Trump's uh, hard stance on uh, terrorism that, that this uh, happened at this, time, at this point in time? Uh, personally, just from what I've seen, I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. Um, 
And from what I gather, it seems like this could be a, a terrorist cell, more than one individual um, who who carried this out. And we are on the heels of Ramadan, which starts at the end of this week. So there there could be a lot of reasons why. Um, but, you know, the U.K. has since deployed the army on the streets, and, and they've heightened the terror alert to critical, uh, which is the yep. highest that they have, which means that expect an attack could be imminent. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it very well could be at the same time. Well, I mean, we're stepping up, uh, you know, I'm sure security over here to soft targets as well. But there are so many soft targets that, uh, like I saw one of the, the guests, uh, I forget his name, uh, but uh, he was former, I think, deputy director of the FBI, uh, you know, anyway, this morning on Fox News, saying, look, uh, we're not going to be able to stop all these things, but what we can do is educate you to be more observant. If you're going to a soft target area like a, a mall or a, a sporting event or you know high school competition, you know, of the teams, that kind of stuff, to be more observant of people around you to see if you see someone leave a package or, you know, a backpack or something in a place and then wander off and just leave it. They report it immediately. Uh, you know, be more observant of that kind of stuff. Let's see someone... Uh, uh, running away from a car, you know, what do they do to the car? Is it going to blow up? Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. To mm-hmm. it's calling on people to be more observant and to be, you know, like civilian police in essence, to to warn the officials that I think something weird is happening, and not to be afraid of making a mistake and saying, you know, that when some woman just left her purse by accident or something, you know, that's how soft targets, you know, how we can deal with that. Uh, you're not going to be able to protect every place and. The, the the thrust of of terrorism is to cause terror, and you know one attack here, one plane blows up here, nine eleven buildings come down. Okay, now everybody is afraid. You know uh, whether another attack in that manner occurs doesn't matter. The terror is into the the people for a time, and then they go back to sleep and think, hey, okay, everything's okay. The, Safety precautions are there. I see them at the TSA. And uh, okay, now it's time for another fresh approach. Soft targets. You're not safe anywhere. And that I see uh, coming to the forefront now. Until eventually, it won't be a death by a thousand cuts. It'll be the, the finishing blow. The, you know, to bring America and the Western nations to their knees. Uh, yeah, we're leading the, up the to soft that. targets. The soft targets are, are, you know, things like we saw last night, concerts or arenas, sporting events, um, and I'm sure there are, you know, a laundry list of other soft targets we could go over. And, you know, in, in the U.S., there has been a, we haven't seen a a, a big terror attack or even a terror attack in a, in a little while now. And as you pointed out, the the situational awareness, I guess, is what you'd call it. As Bob Griswold was on our show talking about paying yeah. attention to your surroundings, how to use you know things around you to to watch your back and, and keep your eye on other things. That is a, a major uh, important part. And you know, so often we see in these terrorist attacks, as we just saw with this one, where this guy weeks before the attack was you know out in the street praying, you know, yelling, praying in the streets, just doing things that are odd, um, yeah, and out of character, and you know, things like that can can prevent things like this from happening. I just wonder, um, we know the refugees are here. We know the terrorists are, are among us and all Western nations. I just, um, 
each time one of these things happens, you just wonder, you know, how much more are we going to see? It's obviously not going to stop as long as we continue to, to tolerate and the media protect and the government protect these kind of people. And there it is. So, and, and there yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, and look, you know, you can't even say, like, if you're in a gathering of friends or family or, co- or you know, company, employees, fellow employees, or whatever, that you know all the faces, you can't even say, well, if there's a, a face you don't know in the crowd, uh, then keep an eye on them, because if it's friends and, you know, uh, quote-unquote family, um, then, you know, we know that the Muslims, or the, the terrorist Muslims, they train to fit in and to become part of the community for years. And it can be someone that's a familiar face. You can't just say, okay, um, like that California incident, they're a you know, man and wife that turned on their fellow employees and shot and killed so many of them. Uh, you have to be vigilant, even with friends and family, you know, and coworkers and stuff. When you go to a, a gathering where there's, you know, a significant number of you that could be taken down. And and I noticed too. I mean, it, it, it was young people in the UK at uh, at a you know a concert. Yeah. But um, you know, you can't just tell them, look, don't trample each other getting out of the way. Use your head and and make an orderly uh, removal of yourself from wherever the the loud noise was or where it was happening, and find you know shelter if it's somebody that's an active shooter or something like that. But you can't you can't teach people to to not panic. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, I was thinking about that last night, and you know, I was wondering why, with the you know, you have the big arena, the big open area inside the the arena where the concert took place, where the stage and the the seats are, and then outside in the through the doors, um, before you get to the actual outside, there's you know the the box office area, they call it the the foyer, um, where the attack took place, and you see. The, you hear this this boom if you watch some of the footage you hear the boom and then you just see you know this pandemonium where people are running in all directions and uh, I, the first one of the first things I thought well you know there's it doesn't seem that there's any danger in the actual arena why are these people running then immediately yeah. after that my mind thinks well so a bunch of people just saw uh, you know a hundred people or more getting blown up so how can you not react to that or react to the people around you reacting but then I, I thought, you know, if I was half a block down the street and at the end of the block there, there's a crowd of people and all of a sudden they started running, am I going to immediately run because they're running and screaming? It's hard to to, to, to sit there and, you know, like they call Monday morning quarterback. I don't know. If, if you're getting chased by a bear, well, if you well, see well, the bear, well, that's uh, I just have to outrun you. I was in New York in 1983 with the film crew, and uh, we had a night off, and I was down on... Uh, I think Fifth Avenue somewhere anyway, uh, and uh, you know I was being by myself. And I was dressed in a suit and everything. It was nighttime, and I was trying to not make you know waves or to be obvious for you know muggers or whatever. And there were people milling around, shopping or whatever. And all of a sudden, I saw the street of people just start running toward me, or in the, in the, you know the street where it was next to a drugstore. Well, I didn't immediately say I'm going to get out of here. I stepped into the uh, the uh, doorway of the pharmacy there and let the crowd run on past me and to see you know whether they were running from something or to something. So you know, if you keep your head and just try to assess the situation and not panic, you can you know probably save yourself a lot of harm. In this particular case, they were running to see um, a, a, a one street corner down. A guy had tried to rob uh, uh, 
some store there, and he was shot, and he was laying in the gutter dying, and they wanted to run and see this dead person. But I didn't know that, and all I knew was this crowd of people, I mean, a lot of them running in my direction. So you just, I, I do think you need to just keep your wits about you and uh, try to figure out how to keep yourself from getting, you know, shot, uh, bombed, or run over by everybody running from whatever it was. Uh, I would think now then, uh, with that loud sound, you know, the explosion went with that, that people in any, you know, soft target gathering now, if they get a loud noise, they're going to run, and I hope they don't trample each other. I hope they use common sense. Yeah, and, and you know, that's probably one of the most important things is to, to not panic uh, and and to keep your, your head. I mean, that could be the difference between life or death in a, in a lot of cases. And then reacting to whatever it is that is going on around you, your reaction. But yeah, there, I mean, uh, it would, I don't know if uh, we'll find out if anybody. There were reports yesterday that people got you know trampled and, and died, but I don't. I haven't seen any of that today. And as you said, can you really blame people um, when something like that happens for for freaking out? I guess if you're, you have to be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, just back to to the actual attack where. The uh, suicide bomber targeted a an event where there are there were just lots of children. It, it's it's very if uh, I can interject this, uh, the suicide bomber. I don't like that. It's homicide bomber. Yeah, it's Muslim homicide bomber. Yeah, but not suicide bomber. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, you know, I was having a think about something. I told Holly this about this. Uh, gold medal that uh, King Solomon uh, put around uh, President Trump's neck. Yeah, um, I saw that on your site. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think about it, uh, President Trump didn't want to do like Obama and bend over and kiss the foot of, you know, uh, King Solomon, the Arab king. Uh, he wasn't going to do that, but he, he wanted to have this friendly visit with him. So they came up with a, a, a solution in that <clears throat> he would get this gold necklace medal to, and he would have to bow down because he's taller than the king to put the necklace on him which then you know he did a little curtsy thing there but it was almost negligible so that he saves face and the king saves face well I think that's what they were doing there okay yeah I didn't I didn't see any um, anything about that except when I looked on so on the site uh, okay all right, that that was not a bow. No, that was not a what? A bow. Yeah, correct. Yeah, no, yeah. that wasn't a bow. Yeah, that's yeah, what I um, All right. Now, listen, um, I've been doing some some work on the ultraviolet radiation coming from the sun since 1979, um, say 36, 37 years ago. The amount of ultraviolet radiation coming out of the sun has increased by six percent. You think, oh well, big deal, but. A change in the total amount of radiation coming from the sun, changing it up or down by 2% is enough to make an ice age. All right? Now, this ultraviolet radiation normally is shielded by the ozone layer, and uh, the ozone layer is supported by our magnetic field, which, as you know, is weakening every day. Now, uh, slide 43 or image 43 on my uh, show images page is linking to an article about man-made ionosphere. In other words, a mini-ionosphere between the real ionosphere that shields us and the surface of the Earth. You can see from the image there, just from the little 
donut-shaped field being produced by our high-altitude atomic testing in the past and uh, by our VLF transmission, tremendously powerful transmissions like from Harper Race and things like that, to our submarine. And these create uh, an artificial um, ionosphere. The problem is, for that to be a benefit to us and to shield us from solar radiations and from ultraviolet stuff, the magnetic field of the Earth has to remain stable and not keep weakening like it is. So it's a great idea that they, they tell you about in the article that this could be used perhaps to shield us against unwanted radiation frequencies from the cosmos and from the sun. But until we can stabilize our magnetic field, even that won't work. But it is interesting that we have managed to, you know, man-made communications and nuclear testing have actually managed to affect our environment in outer space or, you know, the outer atmospheres like this. I mean, that's a tremendous uh, accomplishment, I guess, or a tremendous result from human activity. And that could definitely affect, you know, the temperature of the planet and uh, life. Yeah. I mean, the um, and that's interesting, and I don't understand how, how that works, but looking at what you posted here... Um, Dad, what was uh this this brought something else to mind. What was what did Michael Lake say yesterday? What was the uh the term of the uh, I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, with respect to what? He was talking about the the low frequency signal, is it the sh- uh Sherman resonance resonance? Oh, Schumann, 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 Schumann resonance. Yeah. Stan, yeah. what are your uh, we only have a few minutes left. Um the Schumann resonance. It, w- w- can you give us a, just a brief explanation of what that is? Well, it's um, a natural uh, vibration that occurs on the Earth, but it's been changing slightly. It used to be fairly stable in the, say, between 7 cycles a second and uh, 15 cycles a second, as I recall. But it's been shifting and and changing uh, the frequency, which indicates something is wrong, and I think it's the magnetic field that's doing it, because the Schumann resonance is... Uh, a signal that is tuned to the, say, the, the circumference, the diameter of the Earth, and its magnetic field. And once these vibrations start, they they reinforce themselves, uh, harmonics, if you wish, so that they stay there. And uh, it is kind of a thing that the animal kingdom depends on. A lot of the marine animals and birds and stuff depend on the human uh, human resonance frequencies to guide them. Um, you know, like a compass. Um, okay. So, so it, the basically it's, a, say, it's basically a, a, a frequency that resonates throughout the Earth. Yeah, yeah, that's that, all right, yeah, and, and, and the cavity around the Earth, yeah. Mm. And it's necessary to sustain life, uh, correct? I think it's pretty instrumental in it, yes. Uh, it's right. kind of like a traffic cop for the animal kingdom. Interesting. Uh, and, and look at all the beachings of whales and stuff like that. You know, as our magnetic fuel yep. and the Schumann resonance gets disturbed, they're not navigating properly, and they beach themselves because they hit the wrong direction. That was my, my thought exactly was, you know, maybe some of these animal, strange animal mass deaths that we see were connected to this somehow. But, Stan, we've, we've run out of time. I want to thank okay. you for uh, all the great information that you brought, and um, we'll pick this up next week. Very interesting hour, by the way. Absolutely, it always is. Stan, you have a okay, great guys. night. Good you and Holly both. All right, I'll Absolutely. tell her. Absolutely. 
All right, guys, that'll do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, and have a great evening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.